Okay, I'm on Below the Belt show. I'm yeah. Nick Castle, and I played Michael Myers, the shape, in the original 1978 Halloween. And I did a little cameo part here in the 2018 version as well. The Below the Belt show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the Bad Boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Right, guys, it's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt in the House. I am your host with the most, the one and only Al Celebrity Soto. Uh, we're here for another amazing show, guys. We do this each and every week here uh, now virtually, uh, which has been two years, yes, a little more than two years, uh, here on BelowTheBeltShow.com, and I'd like to introduce my guest co-host for this evening. He is affectionately known as Dean on the Scene. He's also from the Rogers Review. He is journalist, interviewer, extraordinaire, Star Trek aficionado. <laughs> List goes on and on. Dean Rogers, good to have you back on BTB, Dean. Well, it's great to have you back, and it's good to see you again, even though it's only been about, what, 7,200 hours or so. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you calculated that math, right? <laughs> Yeah, quick math's all we got, man. <laughs> of course, myself and Dean on the scene uh, had a great uh, weekend uh, checking yeah. out the amazing Middleburg Film Festival that was celebrating a 10th anniversary in the very posh Middleburg, Virginia, which was my first experience. And, and Dean, thank you so much for introducing me to the Middleburg Film Festival. It was my first Time attending, um, I went, as you say, as a civilian, um, <laughs> because I hadn't been before, uh, a little new to the scene, um, but, uh, you know, meeting the PR, uh, the lovely Dana, um, uh, got into some new information that hopefully BTB will be representing next year, but... Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but Dean, it was such a cool festival, um, and I love the fact, you, you mentioned it's intimate, um, because you do get a chance to um not only um see amazing screenings of feature films and documentary films but uh they bring in um some amazing guests every year and yes this year was no exception right absolutely ever since i have covered the film festival since 2013 which is when the first one came out to the present day every year it gets better with the films that they bring in with the stars that we get to meet and mingle and talk to <laughs> about those films and get yeah. to know them personally. I mean, 
I cannot tell you how many times I have heard and interviewed some of the stars who come to Middleburg year after year, and they say it's one of the best film festivals they have ever attended. And they attended TIFF, they attended Cannes, they attended Wow. And this ranks at the top, and I have to agree with them because when it comes to Middleburg, to me, it's very intimate, as we said. It's very personable. And it really has become one of the fastest rising film festivals as far as the films, the caliber of films that they bring that go on to win Screen Actors Skills, that went on to win the Oscars. Golden Globes, that won the Oscars, yes, and the yes. list goes on and on that yeah. we have to give major props to Sheila Johnson and Susan Cox, who brought the film festival, sorry, Susan Coach, I think that's saying that's Susan Cox, but they brought this film festival to life, not only for the East Coast, but for the DMV itself. It is amazing. And, I you know, know, Middleburg, what can we talk about Middleburg? It's in wine country, so we get to have all this wine and horses. I could go on and on and say, but yeah. we only have about an hour and a half to do this. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about some of the highlights, of course, um, starting with the opening night. That's Thursday nights. I attended Thursday and Friday, including opening night, opening night which... The featured film was White Noise by Noah Baumbach, um, who yes. is an amazing director. Uh, you might know him from Marriage Story, but his uh, new upcoming film, which will be on Netflix, stars one of his favorites, an Adam Driver. And for you Star Wars fans, yeah. that's Kylo Ren. And he, and he was also a Marriage Story. And here's a fun fact for the people listening out there that... He is so far the second person to open a film on opening night, the first opening night at Middleburg. He was returning because 2019 was when he brought Marriage Story. So he has that honor of being the director that brought a second film, second time at Middleburg. All right. All right. Well, just joining us here on BTV. She is uh, my co-host from Click On This, and she's also guest co-host tonight. Uh, the freaking Rican, <laughs> the one and only Desiree Velez. Hola, Can Desiree. I get a woo woo? <laughs> <laughs> so, the, a funny story. I have to apologize about this. Okay. <laughs> Apology accepted. <laughs> Yesterday, I decided, oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful idea if I just go ahead and get my, you know, vaccination over with? Because oh. it never really affects me, you know. Um, and I had come from the gym. And oh, I was nice. fine last night. And then halfway through the day today, I was like, oh, I feel so tired. And then I started to get some chills. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a nap before I join Al. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So, and I did take a nap. But getting up, I was just like a little out of it. So I had well, to sort of Well, that's understandable. You, you hop in the got... shower and... So this is the the, the bivalent uh, booster that you yeah, received today. Yeah, you know, oddly enough, uh, some cousins of mine were telling me that in some states they're combining this with the flu shot, ah, whereas okay. mine was the straight COVID shot. And she said, "You want your flu shot while you're here?" And I'm thinking, "No, oh, I don't. I don't mix my drinks." <laughs> and well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> they're saying it's not a bad idea to do both, but nonetheless, Desiree, yeah. thank you so much for joining us here on BTB. Uh, myself and, and Dina were just discussing the Middleburg Film Festival, which 
click on this should have been there um because it it's yes. it blew me away i couldn't oh, believe yeah? the caliber oh, yeah. of films and celebrities that came into town this is my first experience at the middleburg middleburg film festival which we're discussing now and we we're just talking about noah bombach director extraordinaire of white noise uh which stars adam driver and greta gerwig uh to name a few and uh yeah it was a. Uh, it was a heavy film. It was kind of reminiscent of uh, the whole uh, pandemic going on, wasn't it, Dean? With Yes, it did, especially yeah. since um, this was a film that delved into, let's go back to the 1980s. So that was a good thing for me. So I, I love the 80s. And it's actually an adaptation of a satirical novel by Don DeLeo. And this is, would you believe, the fifth collaboration with Adam Driver, Noah. So oh, that's the, so Adam's go. Adam's Noah's go-to guy for films. Number five. Wow. So it takes kind of like Kevin Smith uh, with uh, Ben Affleck. Exactly. <laughs> and um, Adam he plays this um, guy named Jack who is, would you believe, a Hitler studies professor at a um, Midwestern college, and then they have this <laughs> toxic event, which they call it. So. When you go into this airborne toxic event, it really is reminiscent of what is going on with the COVID-19 we've gone through for absolutely, years. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it took it a little bit more extreme than what yes. we're going through now, you know? Absolutely, but it was a fantastic film, and Noah did a great Q&A. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean and myself got to, to meet him as well, and uh, yeah, very, very, very humble, gracious um, director, and uh, that was a lot of fun, and later that night we attended the opening night party um yep. which oh my god those shrimp must have been on steroids because they had this amazing <laughs> shrimp and grits yes the shrimp looked like lobster tails that's how big they were uh they were amazing um <laughs> they also <laughs> they had tostadas they had grilled cheese and apple tomato soup donuts, yeah. apple cider donuts yeah yeah it was well, quite, let me tell you it was quite as a event. new yorker when i first moved to virginia i was living in fredericksburg virginia and they rolled up the sidewalks around six they didn't <laughs> even have the bank open on saturday i'm like i'm gone to the twilight zone it's progressed but the first time i experienced grits was playing helen keller in the play uh-huh. and i just froze and it just felt like lumpy Oatmeal with sand. <laughs> you ain't had grits like this, honey. Let but me now, show. <laughs> yeah, now I've had it in North Carolina. I had shrimp and grits, and it right. was amazing. Oh yeah, this was on another level. Dean, you're a little, you're, you're a little afraid of spice, right? You don't want to indulge in some yeah, spice. Yeah, unfortunately, right? I'm the oddball of the family. I can't handle spice. <laughs> Damn. So it's like, okay, you guys got to enjoy the spice for me. <laughs> ain't no shame in that. Ain't no shame in that. That's okay. That's a okay. But yeah, you mentioned <laughs> apple cider donuts. I mean, they just went on, went all out with amazing food. And uh, of course, wine. You mentioned uh, certainly uh, wine is uh, the feature in Middleburg, Virginia. But what uh, were the dates? What were the dates to Middleburg? This was last Thursday through Sunday, Des. Yeah, yep. the thirteenth or the sixteenth. Yeah. So normally they have normally Middleburg happens the second or the third weekend of November. So. Always try to get two months in advance, apply for the press. But yeah. for the people listening out there to DMV, if you ever, never, ever experienced a film festival and you want to do it first, Middleburg is the way to go. Yes. Wow, they must have some amazing sponsorship. 
Oh, yeah. To yeah. get that caliber of people. Yeah, Coca-Cola. They have uh, the Washington <sighs> Post. Oh, see, uh, click on, um, not click on this, uh, Baltimore New Media Web Fest. We've got to get in on that. You, Ours you is coming up. You got to get some action. So Yeah. So on Friday, Dean, um, we checked out, oh, before we get into the, the amazing documentary, uh, got to check out a panel with Ryan Johnson. Um, yep. and, uh, that was, well, through, you did. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't make it, but this is through variety, which is uh, one of our favorite entertainment resources. And, um, yeah, it was just great hearing, uh, Ryan Johnson talk about the upcoming knives out sequel, a glass onion, which is very anticipated, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, as you know, is getting a limited theater release instead of going straight to Netflix like the oh, wow. previous one, because they want to appease, um, the filmmaker, so it's in the ward's contention. Because if a film goes straight to streaming, it disqualifies it from the major awards mm-hmm. for a, a feature feature film uh, for the Good Oscars. Good to know. Yes, exactly. So that was one of the things that was really important. But yeah, um, Knives Out was really... So first of all, I didn't get to see the film. I went to the panel. Dean, do you have a review of Knives Out at Glass Onion? Actually, I didn't get a chance to see the film because you didn't get a chance to see it either. Okay. Most of my um, time during Middleburg was actually doing interviews, and Friday was crazy interview day because um, in the morning I interviewed um, Michael Abels, who is one of the famous composers. In fact, he was honored for the 2022 Distinguished Composer Award right. for Middleburg, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I got to interview two directors. The director for Re- The Return of Tanya Tucker, Kathleen Horan, and Turn Every Page, which, by the way, won the best narrative, the best documentary feature at Middleburg. And that was wow. Lizzie um, Gottlieb. And then the final interview today was talking to Dolly DeLeon, who is the breakout star of a brand new film called Triangle of Sadness, which was released in select theaters as of last weekend. And that interview, by the way, is posted on the RogersReview.com. So if you want to read the interview of this great Filipino actress who's had yes. a career for 30 Ooh. years and this film. Those are my people, man. Is, yeah, that is your people, yes. And <laughs> it was wonderful to talk to her about um some of her past, some of her past roles, how she felt about Abigail, about the representation of Filipino workers, um, especially the overseas ones, and to talk about getting this film after 30 years of being in the Philippine cinema, and this film ended up being her breakout role. So you got, if you haven't read the um, interview, you gotta check it out. The Rogers Review. That's the that's the way to go, man. Plug yeah. away, man. We we, uh, we we fully support the Rogers Review here on Below the Belt Show. Uh, so yes, after that panel, which is Ryan Johnson and Bob. Duxe, Duk Duxe, mm-hmm. uh, who yeah, is so. his editor behind The Mummy, Catch Me If You Can, and his the film Looper, which also he did touch a little bit on Star Wars: The Last Jedi, um, not too much, but I did get to meet Ryan Johnson at the end. I asked, this is in a BTB, BTB exclusive, even though I went as a civilian, I did ask a question to Ryan. I was like, Ryan. What timeline are you looking at for your next Star Wars trilogy? So, as you know, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi was was a polarizing film. Uh, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people also hated it because it was a such a big departure from 
the Star Wars that um, a lot of people expected. Um, of course, killing Luke Skywalker didn't help either. But oh. um, <laughs> but I asked him about the timeline. First, he thought when he was going to get uh, you know started in, in the production process, but I actually meant what timeline of the Star Wars timeline. And he told me, exclusive here on BTV, that he wants to explore a timeline that hasn't been done before. Ooh. So there you go. And there's a lot. There's like the early Republic before episode one, the, you know, way before episode one. There's all the way into the far future beyond like episode nine, you know? So there's there's a lot of timeline you can explore in the Star Wars universe. But I got to say, uh, you know, say hello, get my photo op with Ryan Johnson. Again, um, hey, I'm all about Knives Out. He did an amazing job with the first Knives Out mo movie. Star Wars, I might be on the side that maybe maybe not a, a agreed with some of the choices he made, made in, in, in the last Jedi. I don't know how you feel about it, Dean, but, <laughs> um, but he's a gentleman and it was a really, really good to meet him. So, you know, that's going to happen though, because if you yeah. think about the birth and the growth of the star Wars franchise, even with the original creator, they were always giving him a rash and a crap with yeah. the next film and the next film, like, you know, they're hard to satisfy. Star Wars fans yeah. are very, very hard to. They're brutal. <laughs> and if you go so far in the left field, uh, which is what Ryan did with The Last Jedi, then that's why he got the response he did from certain fans. But again, a lot of people did like the film. Uh, but nonetheless, myself and Dean got to check out right after that a documentary that really tugged at my heartstrings. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think a rover, a robot, would touch on my heartstrings, but it did. This was the Mars rover. Twin rovers, mm -hmm. uh, yes, opportunity and spirit that were sent to Mars that exceeded their life expectancy on Mars and just took some amazing uh, images from the red planet. Not only that, but were able to um, prove that at one point water was indeed on the surface of, of Mars. Wow. Which means that at some point, maybe in a galaxy far away, maybe you know, years and years and years ago, the water might have sustained life on Mars. But they did prove because they analyzed some rock material that I believe mm -hmm. were blueberries. They called them blueberries that had some kind of uh, water uh, element to it that 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 possibly contained water. Um, yeah, it, it was groundbreaking, and um, and and just the the, the um. The emotions that the the NASA scientists were going through were they're hoping that the rovers make it, you know, that they when they launch, they land safely. And if if one of them was malfunctioning, the 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 the, the heartbreak that they were going to going through. But you know, yeah. even though the, the the rovers had some technical issues here and there, they they lived years and years and years on Mars before they eventually they like to call developed arthritis because a lot of the the dust and the elements of Mars eventually got into their joints. And, um, but yeah, I got to talk to the, uh, the director a little bit after that screening. Dean, I know you had to get to your interview, but yeah. I was, I, I asked him about perseverance and if they wanted to pursue a documentary on perseverance, he said, ideally, yes. However, we would have to live like 30, 40, 50 years from now to, you know, to, to obtain the, the proper amount of, uh, of, um, information needed to produce that documentary because apparently perseverance has a much longer lifespan and um <laughs> has the ability to um 
But what he told me, because we want to get some of that sam- the, the Martian samples back to Earth, they're going to have perseverance um, somehow separate some of the rock material from Mars and put them in these little test tubes. And a, a rover... Whoa, gonna, that is some very articulate moving. Right? And then another mm-hmm. rover is going to eventually uh, arrive on Mars and pick up those samples and bring it back to Earth. That's that. That's what he told me, and I thought I was just so blown away by that story because, I, as a kid, I've always wanted to know that there's other aliens out there. That's why I love sci-fi so much um, because it was it was great seeing so much of that. Uh, man, I, I, I had a tear in my eye, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. And especially with the great narration of Miss Angela Queen Angela Bassett. Oh yeah, that's right. The narrator. Yes. And exa- for those of you guys who want to know the movie, it's called Goodnight Oppie, and it will be coming on Amazon Prime Video on November 4th, so not too far away. You get to see what we've seen, and you'll probably have tears in your eyes, because um, I think as I was telling one other person, it reminded me if Wally, if this was Wally's biography. Oh. That's how well, much- that, car- and- that animation brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Right, and the crazy thing is, um, the animation that they brought with this film was brought to you by ILM because, you know, with um, the actual mission, they only company, had black yeah. and white pictures, but ILM really captured every attention to detail of Mars, of the rovers, of the surface. Right. It almost feels like we are a fly in the, in the Martian sky. It's amazing what they did. It gives yeah. so much context to actually being there on Mars because Obviously, the imagery that they could take was not as crisp and sharp as what we saw. Uh, so they had to use CG to kind of uh, bring us to the planet, literally. Um, so it was just really, really amazing. So Good Night Op is going to be dropping on Amazon. I highly uh, recommend it when it does. And a little later after that, in the same theater, I, I checked out um, an encore screening of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm-hmm. Another fantastic film, which I had missed when it initially came out. So I'm so glad I went to that. Mm-hmm. And um, they did a Q&A with the young actress, Stephanie Sue. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, who did an amazing job in that film. It was so cool because of your introduction to the multiverse, but it wasn't Marvel. <laughs> it was a multiverse <laughs> in a different <laughs> sense. Um, and we saw the return to acting of ki Kwan. From the Goonies and uh, from Raiders of the Lost Whoa. Ark. No, 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 oh, no, no, sorry. No, no. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> who, who actually took a hiatus from acting. And he said, he mentioned that he got inspired to return to acting after seeing um, Crazy Rich Crazy, Asians. Rich Asians, yeah. Yeah. So I love hearing a story like this of actors, you know, kind of returning to their roots after, after being inspired and, uh, he did such a great job. You know, it doesn't seem like he missed a beat, you know, uh, acting-wise in that film. Yeah. And let me untouch on something real quick. Um, yeah. One match Milberg and what we thought. One of the things, as I said, one of the things that I mentioned why I love going to Milberg every year is the intimacy. And some of the films that we got to see during that entire weekend, you get to see those Q&As. You get to see these actors, actors, producers, directors, editors, and so forth. And you get to meet them. Yeah. I mean, how many film festivals, honestly, how many film festivals mm-hmm. you get that close on, that close up, one-on-one, intimate portrait feeling of meeting a person of the film you just watched? 
Right. Talking to them, asking questions, and yeah. can't get pictures. I know there's I a lot of we probably got multiple pictures of stars. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of film festivals that after they do Q and A, they'll rush the celebrities backstage really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this wasn't the case. So well, that, gonna... that's because a lot of these celebrities, quite honestly, are not coming out of the graciousness of their hearts. They're being paid to be there, yeah, and your budget constraints yeah. tell you, get them out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the feature film on Friday, Dean, um, apparently yeah. as a civilian, completely sold out. I was able to treat myself mm-hmm. to the Q and A, but yeah. yes, it's Brendan Fraser's The, the Whale. Whale. Yes. Dean, oh. what is what is your review, which a lot of people say could be an Oscar nod for Brendan Fraser? Honestly, this is Fraser's magnum opus. Wow. I will okay. put it that way. I will put it out there. I mean, especially this was a very powerful film. And when you see it, you will have tears in your eyes, just like me. It's like I could not cry. Um, it's directed by Darren Aronofsky, and from the wrestler and Charlie, mother, who is uh, saying the wrestler mother. So many, yeah. so All many great. Things, yeah. So he plays Charlie, who's an English teacher living with severe obesity, and his time is running out. So what he's trying to do, he's trying to reconcile with his broken family, his daughter and his ex-wife and he has this um friend who came up to meet him and talk to him about um this church kind of like the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints kind of like jehovah's witness but a different type of church and he has this friend who is um i believe she's an emt and she's a nurse played by hong chow beautiful actress especially if that's there was not a performance I was disappointed. Every actor from Sadie St. Quain to Doctor from, I mean, Sadie St. Quain to Daughter to yes. Samantha Morton playing the ex-wife to Brendan freaking Frazier. Yeah, right? This is one of those movies where there are some times where it felt like it was a play. It centered only one, only one place. And I don't, and I sometimes don't like it on film, but this one really worked, especially when it's the screenwriting of Samuel D. Hunter, who took some of his life and put it into this film. I mean, you have to give kudos to the cast, and I have a feeling that Brendan is going to get his proper credit, his due, because we all grew up with him in the 90s, whether it's Encino Man, whether it's from the jungle, whether it's from the mummy. That man can do anything. Comedy, drama, action, school ties. Yes, absolutely. But this film, this film, (laughs) you really feel for this guy. You really feel for Charlie. You really feel for Brendan's journey from being an unknown to being Hollywood hot throb to dropping out of the race to making this comeback because he was in Doom Patrol. He was in a couple other TV shows, but this film. Let's go put him right back on the map. I'm so happy for him, though, because he is genuinely such a good person. You've never heard anything bad about him. You're right. He's had a lot of struggles, but everything that you've said is 
pretty much every reviewer has said the same thing. Right. That you just cannot end this without tears in your eyes. In fact, yeah. he himself became very emotional at one of the first screenings. And he got a standing ovation. Standing and oh, he did not that's expect. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do in Venice and uh, the Cannes. Um, they'll, they'll do long standing O's uh, oh, for, yeah. for a film that really impacts uh, the audience. And uh, it is. After the q and I, I walked up to Brennan and I was like, you know what? You really have an Oscar contender on your head. He was very gracious, even though I was saying that from, you know, hearsay, because I, I you know, I attended the Q&A portion only. Um, yeah. uh, but he was very gracious, very, you know, very, you know, very appreciative of those words that I, that I gave him. So we got to get a photo op and it was awesome, man. Um, well, it wouldn't be Al if he didn't get a photo op. <laughs> And Dean on the scene. Dean, Dean, yeah. Dean gets some For those who want to see the film, you're going to have to wait a bit, unfortunately, because it won't come out till December 9th. Ah, a little it's bit. Of, a that's, that's what's great. Another great reason to check out uh, some of these films at Middleburg because you do get a sneak peek before the rest of the mm -hmm. world gets to see them. Let's talk about some of the other films because I was not there Saturday and Sunday. Dean, what else did you Well, say? let me talk about Saturday for a bit because I want to talk, I would definitely want to talk about this great concert. So they had the 10th anniversary concert, which um, they not only honored Michael Bells, who was awarded this year. And for those who don't know, Michael Bells, if you heard of Nope, if you heard of Get Out, if yes. you heard of us, yes, he has scored all three of those Jordan Peele films. Yes. But they also honored and took time to honor some of the past award recipients, which included Diane Warren, who wasn't here because um, she was sick. Um, Charles Fox. And Charles Fox, if you guys don't know who he, what he does, think of Happy Days. Wow. Think of, oh my goodness, The Love Boats. He has composed oh, all those great. Oh my gosh, all the stuff that we were growing up with, at least I was. <laughs> those science fiction fans, Barbarella. So he did something from Barbarella over the weekend. Um, they honored Chip Chris Sweeney's Bauer. playing the new Barbarella, which I'm excited for. Yep, they honor um, Chris Bowers, who was awarded um, in 2020, by 2020. They honored Mark Isham, who played the trumpet um, during one of his pieces. I mean, it was great to see some of the past honorees with the current honoree, and it was amazing to hear all that great music live. It was whew, sensational. It was amazing. Wow. But yeah, going on to other films that um, were there, um, I saw a film um, during Saturday. Women Talking was one of the films I saw during that day, and it's directed by Sarah Polly, who's known for Go and Wendy. Oh, and for those who are 90s kids like me, well, I'm an 80s kid, but I'm still a 90s kid. She was in Anne oh, yeah. of Avonlea. And this was another one of those, it looks like a play, but it's on film and had great star power. It had um, Rooney Mara. It had Judith Ivy. It had Claire Foy. Nice. And it talked about this um, community of women. It's sort of like an Amish community. And... Unfortunately, one of them got to a scrape with their husband or their spouse, and they're trying to decide as a group if they want to stay in this community or leave it as a whole. And it was very powerful within the um, conversations that they have, that reasons they want to stay, reasons they want to go, 
And it was brilliant. I mean, it was one of the best films, unique films that I've ever seen. And it doesn't help that um, Ben Wishaw was also Ben Wishaw was also in the film, you know, from Q in the recent James yes. Bond films. Wow. But they, it was a great powerful performance with um, women talking, and I'm glad we, I'm glad that they got to show that film there. Another highlighted film, Dean, I didn't get to see this one, was Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan's She Said. Kazan, Kazan. Zoe Kazan. Um, uh, Okay, I've heard both pronunciations, but I guess (laughs) that'll be debated for another one. Uh, But yes, um, this one's all about the, the, um, yeah, it's directed by Maria Schrader, the story of the New York Times reporters, uh, Mm -hmm. Megan and Jody, who helped launch the Me Too movement by exposing the silence surrounding the sexual assault in Hollywood, and in particular, Harvey Weinstein. And apparently, this was one of the... um, talked about films that apparently both Zoe and Carrie are trying to aim for that Oscar uh, as well as uh, best lead actress in a feature film. Yeah. Um, also another uh, big film that was a part of Middleburg was Ray Romano's somewhere in Queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, got to chat with uh, Ray, not at Middleburg, but in New York city. Um, for another unrelated screening, he was just uh, supporting uh, another screening, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, this uh, particular film premiered at Tribeca earlier this year and also stars Laurie Metcalf, uh, Jennifer Esposito, to name a few. And apparently right now has 100% fresh ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's about uh, Ray Romano, who lives a simple life in Queens, New York, with his wife, their shy and talented son, and a close network of Italian-American relatives and friends, and apparently um, blah, blah, blah. But then later on, um, when the high school senior gets a surprising electric opportunity to play basketball in college, um, Leo jumps at the chance to provide a plan for his future away from his family construction business. Um, so uh, yeah, nice family drama is what it sounds like. Um, Absolutely. Which is also part of the Middleburg Film Festival. Yeah, um, and yeah. Um, the other film because they announced the uh, 2022 Audience Award winner. So um, moments ago, I talked about the top documentary prize, which was Turn Every Page. The top narrative prize went to a great film called Devotion, which is based on the Adam Mako's best-selling book of the same name, and it's a soaring area war epic that recounts the inspirational true story of two elite Navy fighter pilots. No, we're not talking about Top Gun. We're talking about a different movie (laughs) (laughs) who helped turn the tie of the most brutal battle in the Korean War set in 1950. And this film stars Glenn Powell, who is in the new Top Gun film. He plays fighter pilot Tom Hutner, but it also plays Jesse, Jesse Brown, who is played by who's coming up in Creed 3 and got an amazing hot career now, Jonathan Majors. And Jesse Brown, for those who studied African-American history, he became the first black aviator in U.S. naval history. Wow. That's a big one. Yeah, that is a big one. So Middleburg really pulling out on stops. So, I am uh, so sad. I'm going to have to go to Mid- Middleburg next. I next missed so year, much. That's not too far from you, Desiree. You're in Virginia, nope. right? Yeah. yeah and, you know what it, it is? It's, this is the busy time of year for face and body artists, and I am slammed. You, you are slammed. Every weekend with multiple events. You got you to gotta put your priorities to work. 
says for sure. Ching. I got to do the ching to ching. So Dean, any other last words on Middleburg before we move on to other movies? No, those were the only two that they gave. They gave out a narrative prize and top documentary prize. But I'm glad that those two won because when it comes to Middleburg and their top two awards, they are always hard because you got such amazing films and i have a feeling that at least four of those films are going to get top honors come december january and february when we have screen actors guild golden globes oscars oh yeah and beyond so we're gonna i guarantee you we're gonna have at least four of those films going up there for 2023 awesome awesome well that's great that's middleburg well that's a lot of other movies to talk about guys uh Starting with the box office, and if you heard the opening promo, that was, uh, yeah, that was Nick Castle, who is one of the many actors that portrayed Michael Myers in the Halloween films. But yes, Halloween Ends, which um, was the number one movie uh, over the weekend. Um, now, it, it ranked a little below expectations at $41.3 million, but let's not forget. Damn! It also dropped simultaneously on Peacock. So, again, um, because it did drop on Peacock, and that might have something to do with the viewership because some people, frankly, would rather keep their ass at home, right? <laughs> they just watch it there. Uh, but um, there's a huge spoiler. Somebody spoiled it for me before I got a chance to watch it. So does does anyone want me to withhold any spoilers on that one? You're going to spoil it anyway, so <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead. Well, okay. Someone already spoiled it for me, so if listeners, you do not want to know, yes, uh, the shape, Michael Myers himself, is finally dead, guys. Yes. And there were two, as they call them, final girls, uh, which is, you know, the final girl in a horror movie that survives, uh, which was Jamie Lee Curtis and her granddaughter. Um, the she of- deserves it. She's been putting up with this shit for so many years. That character <laughs> deserves to win. In years, forty-four. Yes, forty-four years. That's right. Andy Matichak is the other final girl, who actually saved Jamie Lee Curtis's life in this climatic scene, um, when apparently Michael Myers was squeezing the life out of um, Laurie, the character she plays, until. Uh, she came to the rescue, the granddaughter, and uh, broke the shape's arm. And then the the duo finished him off and bled him out and put him through a metal shredder uh, <laughs> uh, to end the life of one Michael Myers to never, ever wreak havoc and murder on the town again. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Look, I was, you know, they're showing all the Halloween movies now, like back to back, right? And in one of them, I have forgotten he gets she lets him go off a cliff that she's with him in this ambulance he was supposed to be in a body bag and of course he's getting out of it he gets pinned between the the truck and something else and she even whacks his arm off but yet we do know that there was a movie after that and his arm is detached so (laughs) (laughs) right um yes michael myers is dead guys and if they were to do a halloween movie in the future it won't be the the same Michael Myers because this is the original Michael Myers from the first Halloween movie, which the, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, appeared in. So that kind of I, I like that because it actually ties them all together and it all makes sense. But uh, well, they're realistically aging with each other, exactly, just yeah, as yeah. the characters would. But there comes a point where 
they're not going to be able to do this forever. So. Right. Exactly. So nope. it was time for that. To, it was a fitting chapter for sure. And it's crazy enough. It ended as the 13th film in the franchise. There you go. <laughs> Lucky number 13, of course. Yep. Another horror movie was the second um, top movie. Smile, which I do have to see with Sosie Bacon, and that's uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter. Mm-hmm. Third place, Lila Crocodile. Fourth place, The Woman King, which Dean got to re- uh, be on the red carpet for in D.C. We missed that oh, one. Oh, I'm we? so jelly. I want to see that movie. So She is yeah, my it's favorite. The first time in the film in Middleburg, and they actually brought in um, this editor, Terrilyn Shropshire, who has such an amazing career as an editor. She started with Eve's Bio, which was um, Cassie Lemon's first film. And then she ended up working on Love and Basketball, which was Gina Price, Gina Prince Bikewood's first film. Yeah. And she worked on four films with Gina ever since, including The Woman King. There you go. And of course, Amazon, the fifth place film, uh, which I did see as we, our guest last week, uh, Martin uh, Harris was from uh, a movie Amsterdam. So, that's a top five, but what's coming up soon? Well, I got to see this weekend at some point. Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam. Um, and yes, he is finally a superhero. Uh, that, admit- kid, that was a total surprise to me, by the way. You know how I found out? Because Al Soto is the experience, you know, guru of, of all these superhero movies. You never <laughs> mentioned it to me. And I just saw the trailer for it. And I was like, I ain't never heard of this superhero. You never heard of Black Adam? Well, Black Adam no. has been a longtime part of the DC Comics lore. He's been an anti-hero of sorts. In fact, this particular movie had to be edited because there was so much violence and intense action in the film that apparently it took four rounds of cuts for the MPA to agree to lower the rating to PG-13. Wow. Um, yeah, because of all the violence. And yes, he is the anti-hero. He doesn't really have a lot of mercy um, he kills he kills quite a few people in it, but uh, mm-hmm. you know the film currently stands at fifty five percent critics on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's not very promising. But you know what? I tend to kind of, when it comes to superhero movies, movies especially, side with the audience more. So I will definitely see it regardless. But um, you know, well, let's see what some of these critics are saying. I mean. Apparently said that Johnson's Johnson's massive bulk, planet-sized head, and sly gift for deadpan humor all make him a great superhero. Okay, that was a positive review. Um, let's see. Apparently, uh, Rolling Stone says that not even the pleasure of watching Johnson enter into a blockbuster template he seemed destined to dominate can make up for how generic, flavorless, and incoherent this is. Okay. Um... Uh, the rap says that it's anti-entertaining. Oh, yeah. One of the most visually confounding of all the major studio superhero sagas between CG that's unappealing and rapid-fire editing that sucks the exhilaration right out of every scene. Wow. Jeez, not really positive. I mean, I read one positive review and many negative reviews so far. Um, I'll read one more. What happens when Hollywood's most risk-averse movie star collides with Hollywood's most risk-averse movie genre? His answer, exactly what you'd expect, only worse. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't sound very promising, but um, there is um, rumors that uh, we will see the return of Henry Cavill as Superman and 
which I would expect to be the uh, post credit scene. But they, they certainly did announce, DC at least in The Hollywood Reporter, um, can rejoice that a Man of Two sequel is in development. Yes, Henry Cavill will be back as Superman. Um, and um, you know there was some kind of dispute whether he, he would uh, continue to play the character. Again, I like all my superhero movies to make sense. And usually it involves keeping the same actors and not recasting. I'm so glad they did that. So, Dean, what are your thoughts that Henry Cavill is actually staying with DCEU and will, again, reprise his role as Superman? Thank you for not replacing him. Like, right. just, stick, just stick with, just have an actor and let him stick for a while. It's not like Doctor Who where we can keep him for a while, we kill him, he gets regenerated. Right. Yeah. We Sounds gotta- like Michael Myers. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Right, yes. Michael yeah. Myers or Jason, yes. So those two, yeah. 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 So no, keep it for a few decades, then we can replace him. Then we can think about recasting, yeah. <laughs> that was number two on my list was the DC, which included Matt of Steel News and Black Adam. But number three is Michael B. Jordan is back in the Creed Three trailer, which looked amazing. Yes. And yes, his um, rival in this particular film, you mentioned him earlier, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Who plays Damian Anderson, and uh, apparently this is also Jordan's uh, feature directorial debut. Oh yes, it is. Holy smokes, he's the star and the director. That's got to be so overwhelming. It has to be, yeah. Yeah, to to be the star of the film and the director, because usually you know you'll supporting is a little more feasible. You can do the supporting role, and then you get behind Video Village and you direct. But Mm -hmm. the fact that yeah. That well, I feel it's right for him. Yeah. Like, um, if you've been in that role for so long, it's gonna come. There's gonna come a time where you want to, you know, the character, you know, the story, you know, where it's going or what direction you want to take it, and you want to take that, take the reins for the next film. Although there have been bad examples, we shine Star Trek Five. We're not gonna get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Sylvester Stallone did it for what? Five of the Rocky films. That's right. Yeah. From beginning to number five, which we will not say anything about five. It's (laughs) (laughs) oh my. Number four on this list is Babylon will open on December twenty third. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, it's it's got an incredible cast. Of course, anything that Margot Robbie did, you know, I'm gonna watch. And Brad Pitt, they they tend to like work together a lot, man. Uh, It's it's interesting because they were just in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, that's got some big competition because that film will be going head to head with James Cameron's Avatar sequel, the Whitney mm-hmm. Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, and um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish as well. So that's something, another film to look forward to. Number five was Middleburg, which we already talked about, so I can skip. go ahead and skip on that. And in production... <laughs> <laughs> in production, they're doing a sequel for Twister. Do we? Is anyone really asking for a sequel of Twister? I mean, there's so many. Uh, I mean, uh, what, are they, what are they bringing back? Helen Hunt and. Yeah, I think so. I think. Well, the, well didn't the didn't her co-star pass away? Yes, he passed away. I think in 2016. 
18 or that was yeah. sad he i think he went yeah. i mean it's like heart attack or something I think. yeah mm-hmm. it would make sense for her to come back not officially announced yet but it's going to be called twisters plural i'm sorry Ooh. it was 17 he passed away the next year 17 so I was there you go um and revenant screenwriter mark l smith will write the script um and um yeah, and um, not direct, not not confirmed yet, but Top Gun Mavericks, Joseph Kaczynski is in talks to direct. So that's mm-hmm. that's a good director to have on your film if that happens. Uh, let's see, Zendaya uh, has got a film called um, Challengers coming out. Apparently, she has she had to train for months to to learn how to play tennis, um, and it's a tennis player turned coach role. And uh, the film is directed by Luco Guadagino, um, hmm. which apparently is described as a sexy comedy. And also, Lakeith Stanfield and Omar Sy are set to star in the next film from filmmaker James Samuels, The Harder They Fall. And it's a project called The Book of Clarence. Um, look out for that one. Plot details are being kept under wraps but certainly has a very, very powerful team already, cast and director. All right, number nine, Marvel. I'm really, really excited that Harrison Ford is joining the MCU. Captain America, New World Order. I heard about that. Who does he play in this? So he's going to take over the role that William Hurt had, who passed away earlier this year. That's another set. Yeah, and... also, not only Captain America New World Order, but also in Thunderbolts. Um, so, uh, you know, the upcoming Thunderbolts um, movie. Um, hopefully we'll see Harrison Ford uh, reprise his role. But yeah, Harrison Ford is in Star Wars and Marvel, you know, and all you need is like the Holy Trinity would be like DC, I think, for those three, these three genres. Mm. I, I know uh, Dean would argue Star Trek would be the genre to be in, but... <laughs> But yeah, but well, well, I tell you what I'm excited about. Do you have this one on your list? It's the the new <laughs> Violent Night movie with Juanito Leguizamo. Oh yeah, John Leguizamo. Um, wait, have you all, seen the trailer? Is David Harbour in that one as well. Yes. Okay, um, yes. Yes. Um, he is actually playing Santa, and he's coming. You know, minding his own business, doing his Christmas Eve thing, visiting yeah. the houses. And Don Linguizamo's ahead of the bad guys. And apparently oh, <laughs> this Santa kicks ass. And when I say kick ass, I mean, it's violent night <laughs> for a reason. But it's oh, so right. good. It's like the trailer looks, I got to see it. Well, yeah. I mean, I figure that that's kind of a, it's a horror, but it's also uh, Christmas themed as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I so tell that- you what. A lot of kids will be adding themselves to the good list after seeing that. It's like, I don't yeah. want Santa to kick my ass. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that's uh, that's all I have for movies, which is a great timing as we're going to bring in our special guest, Kelly Jenrett. But uh, tying into Marvel, I wanted, while we're waiting for Kelly, uh, anyone catch the She-Hulk season finale? Uh, it, it, was, it was fantastic, by the way. He we said he hasn't, so no spoiler alert. Well, it's not. We already expected it, but yes, Charlie Cox uh, does return as Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Nice. And, Bridges that that uh, Netflix uh, Disney Plus gap because as you know Daredevil is going to have a series on Disney Plus uh, Daredevil Born Again mm. so um, 
again, I love things when it makes sense, when things tie in. But uh, yeah, it was good to see, um, yeah, Charlie Cox return for episodes eight and nine of She-Hulk. And I didn't expect it, but yeah, uh, She-Hulk and Daredevil apparently had a one-night stand, and Daredevil had to take that walk of shame <laughs> the next day. Um, and again, if you haven't seen <laughs> She-Hulk, a different superhero series than you've ever seen, guys. It's full of comedy. It's a half an hour comedy, um, unlike anything you've seen in in the MCU. Also, Tatiana Maslany's She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall, talks to the audience a lot, and one of the featured Scenes at the end is when she was infiltrating Marvel headquarters to talk to Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige ended up being an AI robot known as Kevin, K-E-V-I-N. Um, <laughs> it standard, uh, stood, I think it's, do I have the um, acronym? But it's, standard, it's, yeah, anyways, we will talk about that. Make sure you check out uh, the season finale of She-Hulk. So anyways. We have our special guest uh, of the evening. This is our second time on Below the Belt Show. We're so happy to have on our program again. Last time we had her on, we were talking about Manhunt and Corks, All Day and a Night, and Handmaid's Tale about two years ago. But two years later now, she's back. Um, mm-hmm. Series regular on All American Homecoming, and she was recently on This Is Us, the penultimate heart-wrenching episode of This Is Us. Uh, Actress extraordinaire, Emmy-nominated, Kelly Jenrett. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's been a minute. (laughs) Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Awesome. Kelly, it's good to have you back on BTV. Yes. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We always love your lovely presence. And uh, yes, I got to catch All-American Homecoming. Watch the first two episodes. Nice. And uh, wow, what a drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, I'm missing some points because I got to go back now and watch season one. But your character yeah, has you had, right, your character has had quite, quite an arc from season one to season two. Yeah. As a journalist and journalism professor to president of the college. Um, wow. What, what are your not, thoughts not on your character arc? arc? Not bad. Not bad. Right? <laughs> Wow, you're like the uh, the shining star at the university. Just, <laughs> you know. You know. <laughs> she's been pretty much a si- shining star in everything she's done. What you talking about, Willis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take that. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> well, I was reading an article that you you said that you connected this character the most uh, among all your roles. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because Amara is so family oriented and that's how my family is i'm one of six kids and uh you know we we didn't really have a choice but to be close growing up we lived in a three bedroom one and a half bath house um so you know we were close physically um but also you know having eight people in the house like you already have built in teams so when we play games, you know, it's like four against four, you know, doing that kind of thing. And so just the the family dynamic really resonated with me and Amara having the family dinners and being very much a mama bear. I think, you know, from a young girl, I've always been a mama bear. I think I've just had 
an old soul, you know, in elementary school, I was always like the people that, uh, you know, the person that people could come to. Um, and so I just, I really loved that side of, of Amara. Now, were you excited when they announced the, the spinoff, I guess, from All-American to All-American Homecoming and bringing that chapter to its own series? Very excited. Yeah. Um, because I there had been rumors of a possible spinoff, and I was already a fan of All-American, like even before the homecoming was that I knew that homecoming was in the works. Like that was one of the few TV shows that my husband and I would actually watch live. And wow, so when I first. heard, yeah. Um, when, when Karima um, had actually reached out to my husband and was like, Hey, you know, can I get in contact with Kelly Karima? I'm so sorry. Plays Grace on um, all American. And she uh, had mentioned that there there would possibly be a spinoff. And I was like, yeah, sign me up and mm -hmm. uh, audition for it. And the rest is history. Wow. Well, the one thing I enjoy about All-American, aside from actually I got to talk to Royale um, earlier this year, mm -hmm. is that it's got a great sense of community. It's got a great sense of camaraderie. And... I felt that your character is the center of being an advisor and a mentor. And I want to know, how do you feel about the camaraderie that's been portrayed in All-American Homecoming for the past two seasons? And what is your favorite part of playing Amara? Well, I love the camaraderie that we established from the first episode, the official first episode of season one, when Simone was going through what she was going through. Um, in losing her housing and then coming over to my place and suggesting that we do this family dinner thing. And it was like, absolutely. You know, I think there is the aspect of like, yeah, it helps me to develop a relationship not only with my niece or Amara, with her niece, Simone, um, but Amara kind of gets to keep her ear to the street and you know, understand what's going on with the student body. And so I really love that aspect. Um, and and even when things weren't so smooth, when, you know, there were arguments in one episode, I was like, what happens out there stays out there. But in here, we're family and we work it out. And so I loved, I loved that. And then I'm sorry, what was your second question? What do I enjoy most about playing Amara? Yes, absolutely. Um, that that um that aspect of as you know when we have those family dinner scenes almost everybody is there um and just as an actor how much love is between the cast we're constantly laughing we're um just having an amazing time and so i really love the camaraderie aspect of it um for amara as well well, I definitely have to agree with you. I feel like you have fun not only on the set, but I have a feeling it's the same way off the set as well. Yeah, it gets pretty ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I joke around with the cast where I I, ha um, I do acting lessons for them, um, oh. but it's it's very <laughs> how's that go over? <laughs> it's very absurd. My my acting my acting advice. You know, I'm always like. You know, if if the line is go over there, I'm like, no, no, no. I want. Where are you going? Go. Yes. 
yes, give that yeah. to me oh, over there. You have to um, go what feels natural sometimes <laughs> with a script, right? Is that like, not how you talk? Right? Go over there. Right. <laughs> That's how I talk. You know what I love about you is your range because I was doing a little like checking up on a lot of stuff and I love to read reviews and interviews. And you had here you go from this one extreme to this amazing emotional speech in Handmaiden's Tale. And then the next thing I see you doing stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and you were pretty funny. Well, thank you. Thank you. Is that something that you like? I'm, I'm just like perplexed how you have time to do all this. So do you actually do rounds of comedy clubs like on weekends or? No, you know, I the I haven't done stand up in several years. And the I, you know, because people are like, oh, you should do stand up. You should do stand up. I think it's one thing to be situationally funny. Mm -hmm. You know, where you just sit around and you, you know, you're funny that way. And then another thing to get on a stage where people are like, now make me laugh. Um, that is so extremely difficult. And I took, um, I believe it was an eight week course with Lisa Sunstead over at Pretty Funny Women. And we were required every week to do at least one open mic. And I was terrified, um, you know, the first time I went up to do an open mic. And we worked for two months for a five minute set. Um, you know, what you saw was our graduation. And it gave me such an extreme appreciation for comedians, you know, cause I would see them sometimes and then it will be like a couple of months later and I'm like, you're doing the same stuff. And I understood, yeah, because you are still perfecting what you did. And it took right. us eight weeks to get a five minute set. You know, and so absolutely, because you're you're being your own writer, your own director, mm -hmm. and your own performer, as opposed to when we show up on set and they say, oh, here's here's your lines. Right. You do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, I was impressed with you. You made it seem just so easy and flawless. Thank is, you. Is it something you want to try again? Or you, you'll you'll stick to you'll stick to the act. For now. You know what? I think I, I, it is something that I would like to try again. I don't know when. Um, my friends are like, you should do it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, well, maybe you should do it too. <laughs> so, you know, we can both well, do it. Oh, everybody will do it. Well, you definitely should try again. <laughs> I remember reading that you were writing a play for the Black Rebirth Collective that have to do with two powerful women, Betty Shabazz and Coretta Scott King. How far along are you with this play? And will we see it anytime in the future? Because I'm really interested about this play. Me too. Ooh, Dean, you know, just talking about it makes me start sweating. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, we, we recently, I want to say um, two or three weeks ago, we did a Zoom reading of it. Um, I don't know if I can say the the two uh, actors who we used, um, so I won't just to err on the side of caution. Um, but listening to them do the reading, I was like, oh my God, we have something really special here. And so I am, I got notes from that Zoom uh, reading. And I am back, you know, working on the next draft. I think I'm on draft six at this point. Um, and we are looking to premiere it next year. 
Yeah. Uh, where are you planning to premiere That's at? That's awesome. Are you going to premiere in um, Atlanta or any other city? Um, LA. Oh, LA. Yeah, yeah. We're going to premiere here in LA. All right. Well, just let us know when it gets to DC. We really want to see it. Okay. My husband's from DC. Oh, really? Whereabouts? Okay. Go. See, now, because you know, there's this, <laughs> there's this whole thing. You know, I joke with him like, but you're really from Maryland, and he's like, no, I'm from DC. <laughs> <laughs> There's, but I get it because when when <laughs> when people are like I'm from Atlanta and I'm like what part and they're like Decatur I'm like but that's not Atlanta, um, <laughs> so I get it. Um, I want to say don't don't get me to lie because I joke with him so much that I never I'm never able to keep it um, straight in my head. But uh, Camille Hyde who plays Thea on Homecoming she's from D.C. And so, um, you know, she and my husband, Melvin, they were having a little like going back and forth. Like, are you really from D.C.? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, that, that seems that's to be the case. It's usually like the, the, the suburbs of Northern Virginia or uh, Maryland. Right. <laughs> as all do you here. do you find that a lot of the projects that you're working on, though, are they shot a lot in um, Georgia or L.A.? No, so I I have done two things in Atlanta, and, and most of most of the things I've done have been between LA and Canada, actually. Interesting. Yeah, All Day and a Night was actually shot in Oakland. Um, Handmaids was shot in um, Toronto. So. Yeah, and I've shot some other things in Vancouver, but I would say most of most of the things that I've shot have been here in LA. Got to keep that passport up to date. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And of course, in LA, that includes This Is Us, and you yes. uh, uh, played Megan Brooks. And uh, yeah, I checked out that episode today. Got had to do my homework, but uh, yeah. that was such a, an emotional episode to be a part of because. You know, it was all about the Rebecca, you know, on her mm -hmm. deathbed. And uh, when we're introduced to your character and the family, we were not exactly sure how that tied in at yeah. the initial part of the episode. But then a little later, you see it's very, uh, very, very much connected mm -hmm. as uh, as the character of Marcus. Your, your character's son apparently was in the hospital the same time Jack was. And uh, wow. How, what was it like to be a part of that? That production, and of course, the the such a heavy episode, emotionally yeah. heavy episode. Yeah, it was, it was a dream come true. You know, I remember watching, sitting and watching the very first episode of season one of This Is Us, and was like, oh, this is an actor's dream to be a part of this type of show. So that when my manager saw the breakdown, she was like. No, I'm reaching out to casting. Like, I, yeah, you got to be on the show. And Dan Fogelman was a producer on my very first series regular role on Grandfathered. Yes. And so it was a full circle moment for me to, you know, be able to work on the second to last episode of the entire series on Dan Fogelman's show. And when I got to see him on set, it was just like, oh my God, Dan, you know, this is, this is amazing. So, and, and to work um, with the kids, they were 
amazing. Um, Dulay, you know, to work yes. with him, it was incredible. It was just a wonderful experience. Did you cry watching the episodes? Especially the last uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cried watching the episodes and I would get on Facebook and I think just about every woman in the country was like, I need my box of dishes. I don't yeah. understand why. That, I wish they could have kept that show going. I know, uh, but you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things that I'm like, you know, I get shows wanting to be able to end on their yes. terms, exactly. you know, like That's Breaking Bad. Did. It was like, yeah. he did, but he was like, I want to be able to end on our terms and there's something so powerful in that because you get to construct the story in such a way that you're like this is how I want this to go and this is what it's going to be so while I selfishly wanted it to go on for many more seasons like yeah let's see the kids grow up and yeah you know, <laughs> but what they mm -hmm. have going on Dulé and I jokingly pitched like and I then we'll have a series <laughs> called that was us um, you know, like, let's just keep it going it can be a comedy yeah, you know that would be dope <laughs> yeah. but, but now as a series regular uh for homecoming does it make uh doing other tv shows a little more difficult uh schedule wise schedule wise yeah 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 for sure schedule wise i a friend maybe a couple of weeks ago when we were on set she was like yeah there's this role um you know want to see if you're interested in it it has a little singing and I can't sing. And then she was like, your team didn't send it to you. And when I saw the dates, I was like, well, I'll be working on homecoming. <laughs> I like to call those champagne problems. Yeah. I can't work on this other show because I'm working on my own. Right. Yes. Amen. Amen. Be working, a working actor that, at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I'm also looking here on your IMDb. You got um, uh, an untitled Leslie Odom Jr. Kerry Washington project. Yeah, that was a pilot that okay. we shot back in 2019. It did not get picked oh, up, pick but up. Okay. Um, yeah, but it was such a joy to work with Leslie. Um, he is such a talent. And then to meet Kerry Washington um, and to yes. work with her, you know, I, there there is an idea that we have of actors sometimes. And I remember we were in a rehearsal and she just bust out laughing and she was like on the floor cracking up. And I remember looking at her like, oh, my God, you're a human just like me, you know, and it's like, yeah, she's so down to earth. She gives the most amazing notes. It's just. It, she's she's amazing. Like that whole process was was great. I was really saddened that it didn't uh, get picked up. Oh yeah, I know. I'm so happy to hear that that happens to people of your caliber as well. Because I can't imagine <laughs> how many things Al and I auditioned for, things were in that never happened. And you swear you're the cause of this going down the drain. You know, it's like it's me. It's because they had me. Yeah. And then the worst is. You advertise it, hey, I'm in this, and then all your fans yeah. and family, so when are we going to see it? When are we going to see? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the deadline article is released, and right. you know, oh. you Facebook posts, I have no words for this, just yeah. thank you, God. And then two months later, it's like, oh, well, yeah. I'm unemployed now, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I remember reading your bio when I was doing some research, and research on you that. Your love of acting intensified after you watched the 
five heartbeats, which when I saw it, I said, wow. <laughs> I really love that film because it's Robert Townsend, it's Leon, mm-hmm. great black film. What was it about you, the film for you that you said, this is why I want to act. This is why I want it to. You know, I seeing, and I don't remember the young lady's name who played the sister um, and the song, No Matter How Hard It Gets, when they're, when Robert Townsend Duck is trying to come up with the song, you know, she's like, all you got to do is put this part with this part. And then she starts singing. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, and I remember I have memorized that movie from beginning to end. Um, and it was just seeing Black people on the screen just having an amazing time and yeah they had their struggles but I was just it was something that I had never seen before and was like that's what I want to do absolutely that is amazing now is there any genre that you haven't done that you want to do maybe some sci-fi maybe the marvel universe maybe fantasy um because that's some of my favorite genre yeah, the comic book, the comic book world, the sci-fi yeah. world. Um, is that something that you want to want to perhaps give a shot as well? L- listen, I'm not I'm not gonna turn down no Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, that's I, right. <laughs> I would love to be a part of the Marvel universe. You know, it those movies are just so epic. Yes. You know, the stories are. You know, it's it's an amazing universe to be a part of. So if anyone is listening, my name is Kelly Jenrette, and I would love to be a part of the Marvel Universe. Yes! <laughs> I gotta ask, along those lines, what superpower would you love to have? Ooh, what superpower would I love to have? Uh, ooh, oh, so many. Or, um, or character that would have those superpowers. Maybe it's easier to say right. the character you'd like to play. Oh, I don't, again, it's just so many. I would, you know, mind, mind reading. Oh, that, wow. That I think that's powerful yeah. ability to have, quite frankly, to control mm-hmm. the universe. Yeah. I, I need to be able to read some minds. Wow. <laughs> but you should add a little fire in there, too. In case you're reading somebody's mind and they come after you, you can... <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take that too. Defense, like football. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see you doing Marvel. That'd be dope. Yes. Well, I'm here. <laughs> I love I'm it. Here. I love it. One thing I, I I was thinking about is why you weren't, or at least Amara Patterson wasn't the president of when I went to undergrad because, damn it, I want some some uh, forgiveness for my tuition. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about them student loans. I I said I am going to go to my grave right. before I pay off these student loans. And then I got a, a letter in the mail saying, congratulations, Kelly, you have paid off your student loans. But the thing is, I have a business manager and I know business managers get a bad rep, um, but my business manager is amazing and I'm still very much in control of my finances. But he was like paying my bills. And what I appreciated about it, because he wasn't like, well, do I want to get a pair of shoes or do I want to pay the student loans? 
do I want to go to Santa Barbara or do I want to pay the student? Like he has no attachment to my money. And it was a bill that needed to be paid every month. And so the bill was paid every month. And then I got the letter in the mail and I was like, darn it. I was supposed to go to my grave before I gave y'all this money back. <laughs> but you know, and let I me tell you, I went to a small college and majored in drama and I kid you not, it wasn't even a week after graduation and the state of Virginia was calling my house Ask me, so when are you going to pay? So when are you going to pay? I said, yeah. I don't even, I just graduated right. two days ago. I don't even have a job, yeah, you know, but I felt job. like, I felt I was back in New York getting shaken down by, <laughs> you know, right. some of the law. <laughs> think about now where young people are graduating and they're already filing for bankruptcy because it's like $80,000 after going to college for four years. Right. Yeah. How it's does an crazy. actor pay that off? Right. <laughs> That's why we need more Amara Pattersons at every university. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'll, I'll do it. Just I'll just start going to random schools and, and then doing my Oprah. Your loan is forgiven. Your loan is forgiven. <laughs> Everyone's loan you is and, forgiven. You and Sleepy Joe Biden. <laughs> you go on tour together. Forgiving. <laughs> right. Well, no, Kelly. true story. I have a friend of mine. She's so peed off right now because... Her husband got a letter saying his student loans are forgiven, but hers are not. I said, who did you piss off? Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh -uh. I'd be like, no, the, the way this marriage thing works, it, it needs to happen for both of us. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Kelly, this is amazing. Wow. Thank you so Thank much you. For, for coming back on BTB. Of to talk everything um, going on in the career, of course, All-American Homecoming, season two, more amazing episodes uh, to come, right? Yes, yes. Every Monday at 9 p.m. on the CW. Yes. We have some we have some good stuff coming up. Like I, I, I said, oh, OK, the writers, the writers came with a vengeance this season. Yeah. And so um, we have some interesting things coming up. You got a new fan right here. I'll be watching. Thank you. Uh, so, Kelly, before we let you go, if you could do a little promo, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for All American Homecoming. Let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. I am Kelly Jenrett playing Amara, Dr. Amara Patterson on All American Homecoming that airs Mondays, 9 p.m. on the CW. And I have had an amazing time on Below the Belt. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I'm almost. I'm so sad that they'll hear you and don't see that amazing smile that she has. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I get it from my mama. Aww. <laughs> Let's take a nice little photo on the count of three. One, two, three. All right. All right. Awesome, <laughs> Kelly. Have a great night. Thank you. You Thank too. You. Bye. 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 All right, guys. That was awesome. Yes, here on BTB. So now we're going to take a classic cut break. Um, Desi, are you able to stay? Because I know you, I know you mentioned you had an early day, but um, I'm okay so far. I, you know what? It's interesting because we kind of like went through this real quick, the Me Too thing. But guess That's who's been later. going to court? Me, me Too. Me Too is coming up a little later. Okay. Because you've seen the Kevin Spacey thing, right? Oh, I know. That, that's on my notes. We're going to get to that. Uh. -uh. Sure. Well, I think we should take a classic cut break. 
Um, and the classic cut that I've chosen was a concert that I got to check out at the Capital One Arena in DC. Two of my favorite 90s bands um, during my youth were the Smashing Pumpkins and James Addiction. Oh, yeah. And I played Smashing Pumpkins quite a few times on BTB, but haven't played any James Addiction songs just yet. So Mm. this is, uh, wow, this is one of my favorite, favorite songs from James Addiction, which was a part of the set list that we saw last night. And again, a really adrenaline rush of a song. This is Mountain Song by Jane's Addiction, guys. Uh, One of my faves. Rock out to it. We'll be back here on BTB. Coming down the mountain Yeah, Jane's Addiction. Coming down the mountain. Yeah. What a dope song, man. I was rocking out to that show. Jane's Addiction and Smashing Pumpkins, two of the best rock bands from the 90s. And, wow, just just killing it, killing it uh, during that show last night. It was super cool. All right. Um, television. Lots of stuff going on TV. So, uh usually have a whole bunch of Netflix stuff, but not too much on Netflix this week. Although uh, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek will be making his feature film directing debut uh, with a Netflix film called Good Grief. And it's got a heck of a cast. Not only is Dan starring, uh, also Ruth Nega from Passing, Himesh Mm -hmm. Patel, Luke Evans, um, Celia Emery and Anad Velo, uh, and David Bradley from Game of Thrones, to name a few. And it centers on Mark, who chose to distract himself from the loss of his mom with a comfortable marriage. But when his husband dies unexpectedly, Mark is forced to finally confront the grief he's tried so hard to avoid, sending him as two closest friends on a Parisian weekend of self discovery. Okay. Um, so he's the co-creator of Schitt's Creek, and yeah, Dan uh, making his directing debut. Man, he's come a long way, Dan Levy, since uh, he used to host the after show for MTV's The Hills <laughs> many moons ago. Uh, you know, which, hey, uh, you, it's good to see the move up the ladder, right? <laughs> which uh, you mm-hmm. can, of course, catch yours truly in an episode of The Hills. Make sure you catch that one <laughs> as well. All right. HBO and HBO Max. First of all, they just dropped a really cool trailer of A Christmas Story, a sequel. And um, it's crazy because this is uh, an original, you know, ties into the original movie from many years ago. And um, the original Ralphie is now 51 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he joins uh, some past members. I'm sorry, I can't accept that he's that old now. I'm sorry, I can't. Isn't that crazy? And joins past members from his past. And they return to his hometown in hopes of recreating the magical Christmases from his past. This time for his own kids. 
So now he's at an age where he has kids the same age as that he was when he starred in the Christmas story. And I think that's super cool. You know, this is, this is the perfect sequel. You can, you can uh, revisit the original cast. It, it, it um, honors the original film. It doesn't, you know, it's not one of these reboots that completely disregards everything from the past, but uh, it looks like I a wanted... lot of fun. It's a little bit of a teaser trailer, but uh do they stick their tongue to the metal pole outside? I'm sure they're going to pay that one off. It wasn't, it wasn't in the trailer, but I'm sure they will pay, pay it off. I mean, I'm sure they'll have leg lamps, um, triple dog dare mistakes, like you mentioned, licking the pole. Um, Desi, you're, you're, you're an expert at licking poles, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> Ignore him. Ignore <laughs> him. <laughs> I did this is out... why we have the Me Too movement. <laughs> I, I did check out your movie with Blair Underwood, by the way. <laughs> it's worth checking out for Desi. <laughs> All right. But it's amazing that um, Peter had this amazing career since Christmas Story, gosh, 40, almost 40 years ago, that he has worked his way up from Messy Marvin in the Percy Chotless Syrup commercials way back in the day to working behind the scenes and working with John Favreau on so many films over the years, you know? John Favreau, one of my favorites of all time. Yep. Working with The Breakup, Four Christmases, Couples Retreat, and now here we are. Here we are. Christmas, Christmas Story again. <laughs> Christmas Story again, yeah, very, very cool. And I'm hoping, you know, after 40 years that, which I'm glad that they're bringing back um, Ian Petrella and Zach Ward and um, a couple, actually almost all the boys, the young boys who was in the original one back because that was my favorite, one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time to have those five back. It's like, if they didn't have those five back, it's like, yeah, I'm not watching it. No, no, not happening. Not but, but that's not the case. You, you nope. will be. You will be, so that's mm-hmm, exciting. Dean, are yeah. you a Game of Thrones fan? Or are, in this case, House of the Dragon? Um, a little bit of both. Okay, okay. A, I've seen a few episodes of House of the Dragons. I need to renew my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> you mind if I talk about Hey, Hulk? that's the same reason why I have not seen Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, okay, you gotta, you gotta get your Disney Plus. That's, I know. Yes. Dragon, but uh, dude. We're almost at the end of season one. Episode nine was completely oh, wow. so epic. Um, we we saw the aftermath of King Viserys's death, as you know. He has been. You already knew though. He, he he. The writing was on the wall. He he had you know skin conditions. He had the plague. He had everything going on. <laughs> by the end, he was on his deathbed. He had already lost an eye. Oh jeez. He was going. He was yeah. He was he was definitely gone. Uh, as we discussed last week. But uh, yeah, it's from the fallout of, of Viserys' death, so now we need a new king. So is it going to be Rhaenyra, his firstborn, with his first wife, or is it going to be the first son that he had with Alicent, Queen Alicent Hightower? And apparently um, apparently his dying wish was was for Aegon, the prince who was promised to be king. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Renera and uh, Damon, who's played by Matt Smith, I know you're a Doctor Who fan, oh, yeah. would have a major issue with that. 
uh, considering that Rhaenyra was always uh, the heiress, uh, the, the rightful heir to the throne as the eldest of the kids. So expect a lot of that drama when Rhaenyra and Damon um, find out about that, which I imagine will be in the finale. But what we also saw was Eve Best, who plays Rhaenyra's Valerian, Targaryen Valerian, married into the Valerian family, enter into the coronation of Aegon being the heir to the throne on a big-ass dragon and scaring the F out of everybody. Didn't yell Dracarys, which is, you know, Dracarys is when fire breeze out of the dragon, killing everybody in its path. But uh, I love dragons. <laughs> but this particular dragon, Desi, is... Wow. This is the one of the biggest dragons I've ever seen in the game. Even scare the crap out of you, right? Scare the crap out of me, I'll tell you, because the CG, I don't know. I think the CG from Game of Thrones to, to House of the Dragon has even exponentially gotten better and more realistic. So, I mean, we're seeing these dragons like up close and personal. And uh, yeah, Renaeus Targaryen Valerian. Uh, had quite the entrance uh, at the end of that episode. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a powerful, powerful episode. Just just in time for the upcoming season ten finale, which we'll be talking about next week. Um, so just prepare for a very epic showdown for the next episode of House of the Dragon. Art Hall, let's welcome Art Hall. <laughs> One of my great friends from Los Angeles, formerly Pasadena, Maryland. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Hollywood. Oh. Uh, the one and only yeah. from <laughs> That Was Disappointing's podcast and um, Subversive Cinema podcast. Art Hall, thanks for joining us for the second half of BTB. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're just talking about House of the Dragon. Are you? Uh, are you a fan? Are you keeping up? I am, um, but I have to admit that I've watched almost every episode under the influence of something, and <laughs> I feel like this this series needs a bigger fucking flowchart than the original Game of Thrones, because there's so much so many intermarriage between families, brothers, sisters, and cousins. It, yes. it It's only two families, but man, does it get confusing. <laughs> well, you know, how do you think most of West Virginia was populated? Uh, Ooh, yeah. They came over on a ship, and then... <laughs> That's right. At least they don't have to over on a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> All the West Virginians are going to hate me now. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh-huh. West Virginia. Send them down for death no, rate here. Below the belt. <laughs> that, that is below the belt, dude. Sorry to make you blush. <laughs> but, you know, talking about dragons real quick, and this doesn't have anything to do with this, but I was really sad to hear that Hagrid, from Harry Potter passed away. No, yeah, he was on our uh, rest in peace um, shout outs at the end of the program. But yes, we found out about this at the Middleburg Film Festival, Dean, didn't we? We did. Yes, we did. Yeah, and it was certainly very sad. <clears throat> the the, um, the very large and lovable Hagrid uh, from Harry Potter lore. See, you may uh, you may remember him as Hagrid, but I actually grew up with him as Charlie McManus in Nuns on the Run. Yes, nineteen ninety. So that was I, I wow. was way back with him on that one. Robbie Coltrane, certainly um a talent that will be missed. Um but back to um House of the Dragon Arc, did you watch episode nine yet? This past Sundays, yes. Yes, okay. What did you think? I was just discussing how epic that that 
the ending was with um oh yeah Rainus targaryen valerian on that dragon yeah that was that was epic but again i was sort of out of my mind so i might need to go back and rewatch because <laughs> at, at this point i just started again i told you like there's so many family re- like you know things happening I looked at my wife. I said, "I don't fucking know what's happening anymore. I don't yeah. know why she's doing this. Who's doing what? But it looks really." And cool. after a while, they all look alike because they're all inbred. If you see one blonde or or platinum haired person, you usually have platinum hair if it's inbred. But one thing I, I would think is fascinating: the actor that plays Aegon is older than Olivia Cook, and it just blows my mind. Who's As Olivia you know, they probably Cook? had. The age Olivia Cook, who plays uh, Alice at Hightower, the oh, older oh, Alice at Hightower. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, they do some makeup on her for sure. They put some makeup on her to make her look older, but just it, it, it's like, okay, so they, they have to do all these time jumps. And that's another thing. You talked about the map of the characters, also the map of the timeline. It's really, you know, of course, we had to replace the younger actresses, the young Renera and young Allison with Olivia Cook and, and uh, the actress Emma Darcy. They're both fantastic. I knew it took me a little while to warm up with them, but they're both fantastic actresses. But yeah, the oldest son of Allison Hightower, the actor, is actually older than the actress playing the mother. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that just, weird stuff happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, I don't know. That bothers me a little bit. I don't know, but uh, I just can't wait. Oh, maybe there's out. hope for me yet. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's hope for me yet to get cast in something. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's funny. Um, But yeah, it's uh, the finale. Just it's going to be crazy. Of course, when Rhaenyra and Daemon find out um, that Aegon is king, I'm very curious to see their reaction because at one point, Rhaenyra was, Princess Rhaenyra was the uh, chosen heir. Uh, At least 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and but but the thing is that um, Viserys did say on his deathbed that the prince was promised was Aegon. So, yeah. and you know, you would think that oh, okay, maybe you know, Alicent is lying for the benefit you know, of her her power that her son is 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 uh, is you know announced as king as opposed to Rhaenyra, but but we but saw it. it. But it it gets crazy because. Why would they go to the extreme to tr- to try and actually kill Renera? Uh, I mean, fuck, you know, just because, just because they want. But you know out. what? In real life, in real history, because I did a midsummer program in England studying right. Shakespeare, and I took off for London uh, for one day. The real life background history that I learned mm-hmm. is brutal. Brutal. I mean, when it comes to getting a throne, I mean, this one uncle locked up his niece and nephew, and they were little kids in a dungeon. Somebody else whacked up. I mean, it's just the worst of the worst that you think could happen has happened. And there's so many people buried under the floor of a lot of these churches, like mass burials under these churches of people that were murdered. Oh, yeah. Man, when you're messing with absolute power, you do not screw around. Uh That is absolutely brutal. Also, didn't uh, Jeffrey Dahmer do very similar to? <laughs> Speaking of which, gosh, brutal. Uh, <laughs> all right, the next on my list is Amazon. Well, they just dropped a trailer of a really fun film called The People We Hate at the Wedding. Those guests are... 
<laughs> and the guests are well the actors are Kristen Bell, Ben Platt, and Allison Janney. Um yeah, Art, uh, since you're the only married one in, among the panel, is there anyone you hated that attended your wedding? <laughs> and you no. don't have to say who it is. You loved everybody, I guess. No, I mean, I only knew like 20, 25 people maybe. The other 150 or 160 were all the other side of the family. I oh, wow. Died, so I didn't know anybody at that point. 75% roughly uh, of... Oh, more. She, I had like... I had like 15% of the populace, maybe 10. She had the rest. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Holy yeah, smoke. Because she had a big family and lots of friends. She's from yeah. here. So, I mean, like, my side of it was pretty small. As we always say, I have the friends. She has the family. So, and ah, I'm sure there's yeah. some of the family I probably don't like, but I just don't know any of them. So, okay. <laughs> but this trailer looks like a lot of fun. And it's based uh, on the book of the same name. So, a trio... The trio is a family jetting off to England to celebrate the wedding of Eloise, and her siblings are Alice and Paul, played by Ben Platt and Kristen Bell. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of um, family drama. Eloise is the half-sister that's getting married. But uh, looks like a lot of fun, so check that out on Amazon. Also, um, the one and only Simu Liu, who is Shang-Chi in Legends of Ten's Rings, is getting a, a series on Amazon as well called seven wonders wow he's got a lot of like number titles in the projects he works on mm-hmm. this is the ten rings seven wonders mm-hmm. um is his next film my one and only <laughs> i don't know i mean it's just like everything has a number in his projects but uh um it's billed as a globe trotting action adventure and it's a dr nate grady teams up with an international fixer sloan sado on a breathless race to solve an ancient mystery tied to seven ancient wonders of the world. The seven wonders of the world. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, Over on Hulu, Kumail Nunjani has a a new series called Welcome to Chippendales. I know Desiree, Desiree, you could be watching this one with (laughs) Talk about pole dancing. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be watching this one. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a bio series, a biopic series of of an Indian immigrant, Saman uh, Banerjee's um, his um, life from previously a shop employee to the business mogul um, who started his own strip club for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, and uh, looks, I know Hulu's been re- doing really good with these uh, biopics. You know, the Pam and Tommy series was a big hit on. Uh, on Hulu, uh, on FX, and uh, this one looks looks to be just as good. So, have to be a definitely has to be a show to watch for sure. Um, Hulu also doing something very racy with a docu series called Planet Sex. Interesting title. Oh um, my god, well, that's a very inventive title. <laughs> is that a pl- Wonder is that a pl- what that's about. <laughs> So it's Cara <laughs> Develine, um, who's go- who's producing it and and I guess um, hosting it. Um, and basically, uh, each episode tells per- a personal journey with sexuality. And apparently, she goes into a masturbation seminar. Right? I think it was going to be a classroom that she would just have to take notes with a pad and a pen. No, it was basically. A pink leather gym mat on the floor with six people going, well, take your underwear off and here's some lube. 
And <laughs> Kara's like, sorry, what? No, absolutely not. I will not do that. Um, she did not feel comfortable doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, this um, this is a part of the um, they're doing like a can um, distribution um, distribution festival right now for a lot of uh, film and series that's trying to be sold. And um, yeah, um, look out for this one, which is also going to drop on Hulu and BBC in England. Um, let's see over on Apple. All right, Apple's got some stuff. Um, Michelle Monaghan uh, will be co-starring with Mark Wahlberg in a new action comedy film called The Family Plan. And um, this is the second collaboration between uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Selen Jones, who's directing this. So uh, look out for that one. Um, and uh, basically, it's the film follows a suburban father who goes on the run with his family when his past catches up to him. A pretty uh, basic description. Um, looks like he had a troubled past for some. Um, we saw a trailer for uh, Echo 3 on Apple TV, an upcoming action thriller series from Mark Bull from did uh, The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. This will be a 10-episode show uh, with Luke Evans, uh, Michael Hoosman, and Jessica Ann Collins. And this one seems awesome because it's reuniting Aquaman actors, Jason Momoa, and Boba Fett himself, Tamura Morrison, in an original limited series called Chief of War. Um, so, uh, this what is that? Is that a, a sci fi action thriller? What is it? You would think it's a sci fi because every time I think of Boba Fett, I think sci fi. Mm -hmm. But it's a historical drama. Uh, we'll trace the unification and colonization of Hawaii from an indigenous perspective. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that looks really, really interesting. And uh, Morrison, who's from New Zealand, will play King Kahalki Kahalakili. <laughs> He's the king of Maui. So uh, that looks really, really awesome. And um, that's got to be Momo, right? Well, um, walking around kind of half naked. <laughs> you would like with that, that tan. <laughs> and he already he already has the you know. I know what you're thinking. The tribal stuff going. Uh -huh. <laughs> Rock couldn't do it. He's busy being a superhero now. Right. <laughs> well, King Kalaheke is actually going to be played by Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Um, Momoa, I'm not sure what character he's playing, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know you'll be watching, Des. I know you're. A fan I'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is something I would never expect. Um, that Sylvester Stallone is doing a TV series, and it's for Paramount oh, Plus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Called Tulsa King, from the mind of uh, Taylor Sheridan, who had such a big hit with Yellowstone, and it's a uh, a crime drama. Um, and it's Dwight General Mount Freddy. Um, who is Stallone's character, fresh off a 25-year prison sentence, and finds himself heading Midwest on his boss's orders. And uh, yeah, the full trailer just dropped for that. Definitely, definitely, um, definitely worth a look. Um, it's interesting because we're, we're in the golden age of television where it's not a step down to do TV anymore. You know, a lot of movie stars nope. are, are doing television. And uh, I just think it's... Well, that's because everything is streaming now. Right. 
you know, and it really gets you thinking, what is the life expectancy of in-person theater? As the, and I love in-person. I love to go to see stuff on a big screen. That's a whole social thing for me. And, and but, likewise, also, you mentioned streaming. What about network television? You know, is, you know does that have a place now? Because of the, well, uh, they just, streaming. well, AMC, is that considered network television? That's cable television, but do you have a streaming yeah. platform? Yeah, that's basic. Yeah, yeah basic cable. Because yeah. that interview with a vampire is kick ass. Yeah. What's your review on it so far? I've been wondering. And I am, and it's different. It's not what I expected, but I was an avid Anne Rice, you know, fan. I read all yeah. the books and I was nothing against these actors, but it, that movie was so horribly miscast. If you were really into her books and, you, and she wrote these characters so that you saw them, you smelt them. I mean, that's how vivid she was. And this this show is amazing. The character is amazing. The the sensuality of the two vampires together, which okay. you know, you always, you know, you haven't seen it, have you? I haven't seen it yet. I was, uh, I'm, I'm really listening to your review. To you have to see it because it explores the intimacy of the two men. And the idea of a vampire is he can pretty much seduce anyone. And he loves the other vampire. So they're like together, but there's that that pull against the one that doesn't really want to kill humans, whereas Lasat is like, you know, hey. I was a huge fan of the movie, Tom Cruise and, and Brad Pitt. No, you've got to see this so show. I do have to see it's, that. I do. I, and that is on my list because I am on AMC watching The Walking Dead. And they actually introduced a variant a, a walker zombie that actually can turn doorknobs and climb walls. I heard about that. Yes. That freaked me out. Hey, gotta make the show <laughs> interesting after real 12 for years. Me. Yes, after 12 years. Yeah, we're in the 11th season. We're in the five. So this will probably, probably be something cool for the spinoffs because every major character is getting a spinoff. We're not really ending The Walking Dead. But, but think uh, about it. It makes sense because viruses change mutate. over time. That's right. They mutate mm -hmm. over time. Absolutely. Um, so that last uh, episode called Variant was was wild when we saw, you know, uh, the walkers climb up the walls to to attack Jerry and Aaron. And uh, when they thought it was a whisperer, which were the humans that were the walker mask, they ripped the skin off and find out it was a zombie. It was a walker. It was not a human under there. And it just freaked them the F out because we've never seen the likes of these walkers since season one. Season one, we got the walkers that picked up dolls and turned doorknobs. So, you know, now we're looking at a, a new threat of, of, of zombies because now we're getting three Walking Dead spinoffs, Carol and Daryl with their own show that's going to be taking place in Europe. We're getting um, Negan and Maggie in their own show, Dead City in New York. And of course, we're finally going to get the answers that we've all been looking for with Rick and Michonne. Finally going to wrap that storyline up as well. Oh, speaking of that, so Al, what's going on with the movies? The Rick movies is now going to be a uh, series now. They decided to go the series route. Yeah, that makes much more sense. It makes the much more sense, doesn't it? A bunch of movies doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, making a bunch of movies, well, if they were made for television movies, yeah, it makes no sense. You do six a six-episode season, that's roughly 
three movies right there for an hour yep. episode each, right? So yep. I think they yeah. took the existing script, made it episodic, and I think that's the way to go for Walking Dead. There's only um, four more episodes left, yeah? Yeah, 21. But that's what they did with the Anne Rice stuff. It's a mini series. It's a mini series. So yeah. it's it's much more balanced. Yeah. You you get you get to see all these other characters and their their background stories. You get the flavor of New Orleans more. Right. The time period. Awesome. Yeah, AMC's got some great content, man. Of course, Breaking Bad and uh, um, Better Call Saul. You know, so. And uh, they they want to keep the Walking Dead uh, fandom alive, so that's why they're doing spinoffs. Better Call Saul has such a oh, the ending is so it was so. Oh, hang on. <laughs> oh, Art, you you, you want to? Oh, okay. Off. Yeah, I won't no, talk I'm, about I'm, it anymore. I, I need to pick up some more. <laughs> I I I I had a kid right around the time that I was finishing up season three, and I have not had a chance to catch up. So I I have them all on the queue. But I got three seasons, yeah. You got th- three seasons. No, I get it. Look, babies aside, I'm happy as an actor that there are so many different platforms. But honestly, how are we going to keep up with everything? Yeah, it's just it's too much. It is way too, too much stuff. Too much. Yeah. AMP. Too AMPM. Too much good stuff. Yeah. Too much good stuff. All right. What else do we have on the list? Oh, I'm almost done this list. Number 17 is Peacock, uh, which kind of falls into NBC. Uh, Pete Davidson's uh, comedy Bupkiss is bringing on some new names as guest stars, including Charlie Day, Brad Garrett, Keenan Thompson, also from SNL, Simon Rex, who's kind of got a, a career resurgence recently for his last movie, Ray Romano. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty much uh, a heightened version of Pete Davidson's life, a fictionalized heightened version. Uh, which was ordered straight to series, and Edie Falco would be playing Pete's mom. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's interesting because SNL, man, you're really feeling that lack of star power for the the, the current season because I think Keenan is really the only big star in the cast left. Obviously, you know, the, everyone's really talented in that cast, but uh, just watch the last uh, episode and. Uh, you know, losing Kate McKinnon, Pete Davidson, and a lot of the major players. Um, I don't know if uh, I, anyone's uh, watching SNL current season, but they had they just re- they just Somewhat. recently had Megan Thee Stallion as the host and the musical guest, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then look out for um, Jack Harlow, who's going to do double duty just like Megan going to be the music star and also host so there you go um so that look out for that all right so there's a lot of like high profile um trials going on centered around the me too movement does and uh uh, the first one is uh danny masterson from that 70s show um i was disappointed with that (laughs) yeah you know hide from that 70s show was a favorite but obviously when you have Three women accusing the guy of rape um, and bringing Scientology into it as well because the three women are also Scientologists. In fact, one of them just testified under oath and talked very graphically and, and bringing back those tra- that traumatic incident where where um, Danny forcibly uh, raped her, you know. And uh, 
it's it's looking really really troubling for the that 70s show star i mean uh um his family's there support him um his mother carol alana masterson who was in the walking dead um, his brother's christian jordan um and apparently masterson was clenching and unclenching his fists as several members of the public filed in so he's been under a lot of stress you know obviously for obvious reasons hey it sucks to get caught there you go. You there don't want to get caught. Don't do it in the first place. Don't do it in the first Simple place. Simple fucking yes. concept. <laughs> yeah. So um, they also talked about the term WOG, which is a Scientology term. Worthy Oriental Gentleman. I don't know if that's considered politically correct. Whoa, that yeah. sounds not but nice. It's basically a derogatory term for someone who is not a Scientologist, a WOG. Hmm. And apparently they were saying you can be reported for relationships with wogs unless you were bringing them into the Scientology fold. That is uh, such a cult. <laughs> yeah. I'm that's sorry. That's that. It's good. And be a lot of thing. major players in Hollywood drifted there because of the connections. And once they got in there, they sort of got stuck. Right. Yeah. Well, the Celebrity Center is a nice venue, so I understand why they want to go and hang out at their own little castle in Hollywood. Oh, you've been? I've been to the outside. Oh, okay, you've seen it from the outside. But okay. what I can't say is I've been in a number of Scientology-owned buildings in Hollywood, and they do keep that shit real clean. Wow. It is, like, spotless. <laughs> but you have all that free labor, so why not? Free labor, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, um, the... Uh, Mas- Mas- Masterson's uh, record won't be spotless and clean. Ooh, uh, but uh, <laughs> Paul Haggis, another one on trial now for a rape trial. Um, they just had opening remarks in New York City. He's a director of Crash, the screenwriter of Million Dollar Baby. Apparently um, accused of raping a publicist named Haley Breast after a movie premiere um, nearly a decade ago. And uh, yeah, she uh, apparently uh, Haggis claimed the encounter, which took place in 2013, was consensual. Maintains the rape charge came in retaliation for his decision to leave, and then criticized the Church of Scientology. So this trial also tied to the Church of Scientology. What did, do these guys think that they're immune uh, to? Well, well, honestly, the the Church Church of Scientology operates almost like mobsters when they're trying to protect one of their own. And a lot of testimony was given by the actors from uh, Kings and Queens, you know, that TV show? Yeah, she she was letting them know that, hey, (laughs) she got out of there. Yeah. And it's good. I guess it's yeah. It's very cultish, no doubt, no doubt. Um, prior to the trial, Brees' attorneys sought to block Haggis from arguing that Scientology was orchestrating the allegations and retaliation, saying Brees and other witnesses have no connection to the church. Okay, so uh, yeah, yeah, and you're right. Uh, Leah Remini from King of Queens, who left Scientology and became an outspoken critic, as, um, as well as Susan Sarandon. Um, there apparently are potential witnesses who could be called to testify. Previous suggested that Scientology was behind the sexual assault claims. 
And uh, Kevin Spacey, another another uh, another guy on dun, trial. Dun, dun, dun. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. Uh, you yeah. know, I love him as an actor. I, I was really disappointed, as any of us are, when we have someone that we just assume they're one way and then find out later. But once I did find out, it's been years that the best kept secret was no secret. <laughs> and it just kept going on and on. And now he's finally getting spanked in a big way. That's, that's yeah, one way of putting it. Yeah. Apparently Anthony Rapp is um suing for forty million in damages. And um yeah, he claims that twenty he claims that Spacey picked him up, laid on top of him in a bed in nineteen eighty six when Rapp was only fourteen years old and um Kevin was twenty six. And um yeah, at the time he said, you know, Sincerest apology for what happened. It was deep, inappropriately drunk behavior, and then he used that moment to come out of the closet. This is when he first accused, um, when um, Anthony Rapp first accused Spacey of that, and uh, yeah, now we're seeing it um, play out in in the courtroom. Um, and uh, this is a new one. Uh, Anna Ferris claimed that. Um, filmmaker Ivan Reitman, who's no longer with us, you know, um, he's the Ghostbusters director. His, his son Jason's doing well in the industry as well. Um, apparently, um, Ivan Reitman inappropriately touched her and yelled at her while filming the 20, 2006 romantic comedy, making her feel angry, hurt, and humiliated. Uh, oh, no, not Reitman, too. <laughs> damn it. So apparently, the scene was Anna Faris is on the ladder taking books off a shelf, and then Ivan slapped her ass in front of the crew so hard. And all at the time Anna Ferris could do was giggle. I remember looking around, and I remember seeing the crew members like, wait, are you going to do something about that? That seemed weird, and that's how I dismissed it. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, the thing is, is that Ivan's no longer with it. He, he can't you know, speak on this. And she also added, can I speak ill of the dead? Um, but she admitted this during uh, a podcast interview with Lena Dunham. Um, so it's interesting that, uh, I mean, when Ivan Reitman was alive and well, she never brought this one up, but kind of kept it to herself until. You know. But I guess not much can be done now. I mean, it, it, you know, it, um, again, 2006, I mean, that was a different time, I guess. If you felt close with someone, I guess. This was before the Me Too movement. You could slap a colleague on the butt, you know? I don't know. Apparently, it was okay back then. Well, I mean, Hollywood's not in any normal business area, but Hollywood's always been a bit off. Yeah. So, I mean, like, back then, I mean, yeah. like... Sleazy. The terminology would be sleazy. Right. Sleazy. right. I mean, you could probably smack a coworker on the ass or a secretary or whatever in the 50s, but <laughs> 50s, for most right. of... The employment world, I think that that went by the wayside around. But that. that's anywhere. Like but, I remember I guess, you know, when I first started acting, I can't tell you how many industrial videos I was getting hired, training companies about you know the things oh. you can do and not do that yeah. could cause them to get sued or I job loss. Familiar. Yeah. So, <laughs> no uh, slapping of the butt. No jokes. <laughs> It's a different different era. I mean, you can't even make jokes now. Apparently, that's why uh, um, the Goldberg star, um, 
uh, the main actor on the Goldbergs left because he made a joke saying that his pussy hurt, you know, and uh, offended one of the crew members. <laughs> All up in arms, you know, my pussy hurts. And well, see, that's a joke you do in private with your friends. You don't sit there and do it like on a. But of it's course, like right, somebody's gonna get mad at that. It's an ABC show owned by Disney. It is. Uh, yeah. Disney, yeah. Disney does not like the P word. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you have a remark on that? <laughs> I'd say standards and practice would probably agree. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Are you able to disclose? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I am. <laughs> <laughs> They've, they've. I just know that I have heard about various things where you know standards and practices are very, very particular about yeah. animation. I wouldn't be surprised if they were just as particular yeah. with onset and offset conduct sort of stuff. Oh, even yeah. on their regular employees, they they get a this they joke and call it the Disney Bible, but it's a yeah. thing like this that every employee gets huh? on things they can do and not do, say and not say, how they dress. And it's just, yeah, they want it clean cut all the way. Yep. Um, all right. Got a couple more things that we're wrapping up. Um, the Flash star Ezra Miller pleaded not guilty to burglary charges in Vermont. <laughs> he dude, was this high is when he did Lord. that. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Dude, 26 years in prison if convicted on both charges. He stole How, How's the DC pe- universe going to survive? Apparently he stole like liquor bottles. He he, he broke into a home, stamp in uh, Vermont, in Stamford, Vermont, on May first, and there are several missing bottles of alcohol from the property taken, and they have surveillance footage, and they have, apparently they have ID'd it as Ezra Miller and charged him. He with must have been drunk or high when he did it. Definitely, definitely was. But the stolen names were less than 900 in total value, so that's considered a petite uh, larceny charge. Wow. Um, <laughs> but he still pled not guilty to one count of burglary and one count of petite larceny. Probably and, doesn't remember. <laughs> well, he, he talks about his own ongoing mental health problems. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to trying to mitigate the, the whole issue of Ezra Miller. You know, we talked about it on the show how he, uh, you know, had to go uh, through mental health um, counseling and had to, you know, s- speak with the heads of DC because his movie Flash is, is so important for the future of the DCEU, you know? And uh, again, they really need someone like a Kevin Feige, world boss, right, Art? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, here's my thing. I used to work for Marvel, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Why do they keep hiring people that they know are problematic just because they have some credits? Right, Al? Why don't they hire people like us? Because we're (laughs) not going to screw up because we're hungry. We're hungry. We want that. (laughs) We're not going to fuck up, right? Job so bad. (laughs) That's a very good point. And then, and here, you know, they wanted to, oh, let's hire um, a, a, non-bi- a non-binary actor who, who goes by the pronouns they, them, you know, and, and virtual signal and cast and, and, and make this film look very, very awesome on our ends. And then turns out he was a mental, mental case, you know. Uh, it's funny you brought that up because I got Ooh, an what email. What are we talking about again? <laughs> Ezra Miller. 
uh, being hired by DCEU. I got an email oh, that... But your description of him, I did not know that's... Was that about him, like non-binary? He's non-binary. Like, I did not know that. Yeah, he's huh. non-binary. Mm-hmm. He goes by they, them pronouns. Did not know. Well, that's it. Actors Access has now put in, because I got an email from an agent, yeah. to go in and put what you identify as. And I mean, what do you mean what I, because I'm, my head's not in that area. What do we mean what I identify as? I filled as? out a payroll form for a feature film that I worked on. And it goes preferred pronouns. Like, okay, this is where we're and going. And then I, I was stressing, because I'm like, what do I say? Me, uh-huh. I, she, her? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, though, they yeah. most certainly, that will most certainly play into some casting decisions for sure. Right? Yeah, there you go. And that's the thing about uh, Ezra Miller being, being the non-binary actor. And, you know, supposed to be the poster boy for, for that uh, LGBT community, but he's a fuck-up. <laughs> you know? So, I don't and know. And that's the thing. You have investors' money in this Yeah. that you are liable for. And sometimes your head needs to think about your priority Right. Is making sure those people get their money back. And now when you have a problematic actor that may end up in jail for a, a couple of years, you're screwed. You know, so Absolutely. I don't care yeah. what pronoun you are. Now, now you got me in trouble because <laughs> I got to pay these people back. Yep. Yeah, DC's got a lot of like damage control. Not only Ezra, you got Amber Heard lost that trial you know with johnny depp that was a zoo who's in the mayor who's plays mara in the upcoming aquaman movie and you have the canceled batgirl movie um so they really need a kevin Feige, like i said art's old boss (laughs) they need someone in the dceu to to do what kevin because kevin what kevin's done is magic and i love the she-hulk finale where they had um an ai robot called kevin Instead of <laughs> Kevin Feige himself, you know, uh, which you mentioned earlier during the uh, She-Hulk discussion. But, uh, yeah, and um, number 20 is going to be the last thing on my list. We're just going to tie into the closing topic of the day. And it's um, kind of cool news. Um, Anime Wong will be the first Asian-American to be featured on U.S. currency nearly 100 years after her first film role. The U.S. Mint will begin shipping quarter coins featuring her likeness on Monday, the first Asian-American Hollywood star. Wong overcame intense racism and discrimination to stay in her 40-year silent and sound film theater and radio. Um, but I think that's very groundbreaking and great for the um, Asian-Americans. Um, so I guess this will go into a topic. Who would you love to see on U.S. currency, any of your particular public figures that you admire, love. Um, since we're it's now opened up to actors, not just politicians, it really could be anyone that you feel uh, has had a profile. Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno. Rita and Sydney Portier. Rita Moreno. Now, why Rita Moreno? I mean, I know why, but. Why read it? Well, she she was a master of of Broadway, singing and dancing. Great actress. Right. Actually got an Academy Award for West Side Story and wasn't working because she was Puerto Rican. And so imagine 
you have this mega star and she said she wasn't getting hired a lot. So, but when she works and she's playing whatever it is you hired her to play, she's fantastic. Despite her trials and tribulations, her longevity, she's still here. She's still in things. Mm -hmm. So she, I admire because she never quit. She never quit. And she, she, you'd like to see Rita's face on. Yeah, and she's never been bitter, but she's she's yeah. wonderful. And Sydney Portier. And Sydney Portier is another choice. Yeah. Okay. Amazing barriers. Um, very classy man. Beautiful, beautiful to watch act. You know, it's legendary. Legendary. How about Dean Rogers? Who would you like to see on? Well, the two I would have to choose would be Cheetah Rivera. And Lena Horne. I will not see Lena Horne on currency. Um, I picked Cheetah Rivera, especially since I interviewed her not too long ago at the National Moral Day concert. She was the first to play Maria in West Side Story on Broadway before um, Natalie Wood took over the role in the movie. She was the first in The Kiss of a Spider Woman on Broadway, DC born native. And Broadway badass. And Lena Hoare broke grounds with what she's done with her movies, especially Stormy Weather, which is still a timeless classic to this day. But now we got a theater in after. Why not put on currency? Yeah. Good one. I will say Broadway has always been more accepting of people than film. I don't know why, but when you're in in a Broadway show, you can get cast as whatever character, but for some reason, when it comes down to film, there's a lot more scrutinizing. And uh, I don't know if it's in the powers of B that are assuming that people watching the movie are going to be a lot more critical than they are. But for some reason, Broadway will cross over age barriers and color barriers way before film does. Right. I, right. I agree. I want to see my, my, my. I think the theory I have on this is, you know, when it comes to movies, they're looking for that top talent, and they're looking for can they relate to middle America as well as major cities? Theater, they don't give a shit. Theater, you could be from Timbuktu, you can be from Atumwa, Iowa, you could be from Lubbock, Texas. If you could play that character no matter where you're from you're that character there's no suspension of disbelief well it's realistic i um you know my smart ass thing on that is that you know nobody's getting rich doing theater so theater is always going to be more open and everything while hollywood and films always been nothing about it's it's business it's not art that's the difference theater values art over money and film values money over art. Yeah, how it's art. So anyway, that's that's the that's the that's the, the difference is you know when you're doing art for art's sake, then you're going to be much more open. So, wow. And incidentally, art, uh, who would you choose for? Uh, well, currency? I gotta, I you know me, I always have to answer a little bit uh, smart assy. So I'm gonna have to say uh, Weird Al Yankovic because he's actually performing right now in D.C. At the oh, Kennedy he's in D.C. Man, you, you gotta go. get your get your um get your uh, accordion and head down there for the polka party. <laughs> uh, and I would also like to see Kermit the Frog because I think he is a universal flag bearer of just chill the fuck out and be friends. 
Yes, those uh, are good answers. Well, how do I top all those great answers? Wow, you could say amazing. yourself, Al. That would top it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, going the Desiree Velez route, um, you know, um, the Filipinos uh, are, are getting more mainstream attention because of this guy who's actually number one, the top 75 most influential Filipino Americans, and that's comedian Joe Coy. Uh, Joe Coy. I've seen him. He's funny. And he's funny as hell. Um, and um, yeah, yeah. he's really brought Filipino actors to the mainstream, of course, for his movie Easter Sunday. Uh, I think uh, Joe Coy would be, uh, for me, I would I would choose him uh, to be featured on U.S. Currency for the Filipino Americans if I'm going the cultural route. And for the legendary slash gag route, I choose Al Pacino, uh, <laughs> who has bears my name just like Weird Al Yankovic and Al Pacino, legendary actor. But the most important thing is, is with the Al Pacino dollar bill, you can do some cocaine. Oh, you can put. You can you just... do cocaine with the Al Pacino dollar bill. Yeah, and it and it's actually put designed in and to the bottom, the like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you art you you said something sorry. I was just saying, and it's designed to make sure all the coke falls back off the dollar, so you don't waste any. <laughs> it's two, it's two, two treats in one. Yes. <laughs> now this is a what if. I don't, I don't do that. I don't, I don't fuck with that. But <laughs> I will let you know about this though, and it's not money, but we have the first Tina Turner Barbie doll that really? came out. That's right. We did. Limited edition Tina Turner, and I bought two suckers because uh, I'm going to keep them in mint condition. One of them is going to be mine, and one I will eventually sell. But wow. Tina Turner, yeah. Yes, very good. Well, of course, uh, we'd like to end BTB with uh, shameless plugs. Art, I know that you have a film called Gap Weekend that was just featured at a film festival in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, we were at two festivals. We ended up winning Glendale International Film Festival, so that's yes. Gap Weekend. Working on uh, trying to figure out where that's going to get distributed, but uh, oh, that's yes. the director's job, not mine, so let him do that. <laughs> Can I say it was an amazing performance? Uh, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to the director, the writer, Todd. Yeah. Big uh, who to did a stellar job. Yeah. Uh, thank you for giving me a sneak peek. Oh, of course, of course. Yes, and seeing Art Hall and uh, the very uh, great romantic comedy. Um, those <laughs> rom-coms are, are a lot of fun. I, I do hope to work with Todd one day. Um, so, uh, yeah. What was the title again? Gap Weekend. Gap Weekend. Yes. So after, uh, so I guess Todd, the director, once he can finalize any distribution deal, we can talk talk about it here on the show of how people yeah. can see it because right yeah. now it's not available for people to see yet correct yeah it's correct so yeah so there's that uh and then you mentioned my podcasts earlier subversive cinema and that was disappointing you can find them anywhere um they're both good wastes of time so oh it. stop <laughs> and um yours truly is featured in one of your subversive episodes right oh you've been in a couple al i believe um well the last one the you most recent the one yeah, you well, I mean, hey, all episodes are live. Yeah, we we talked about Titan, and um, we've also talked about assholes. So <laughs> you know, we, a, we cover all sorts of stuff. Two very I mean, there's a movie called Assholes. If anybody's like, oh, oh, you just made fun of people. No, there, there's, <laughs> uh, 
the time, of course, very, very, very powerful, powerful film. Um, yeah, it was, and batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. <laughs> uh, Cannes Film Festival was all about that. Palm d'Or was crazy. So uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, we don't promote many podcasts on BTB, but please check out that was disappointing. And Can't of course, versus cinema. Uh, Desiree Velez, what are you promoting? Well, I'd like to promote my friend, uh, my friend's film, um, Ron Newcomb, who is uh, has Forge Studios. He's a local, and he was one of the producers of a movie called Ask Me to Dance, which is you can actually see at movie theaters right now. It's a limited release, um, but it's a romantic comedy, and it's about dating. I don't know if you can see. Ah, okay those are always fun to watch romantic comedy um but if you if you go to imbd you see that uh, the people that they have yeah sorry i was do that backwards <laughs> you'll see that they have some really good critics it's written by tom uh malloy okay and uh pasquale combs noke is the cinematographer it's directed by tom malloy but it's it's funny it's about these two people that I, I was reading about it that go to like a fortune teller or something and they say they're going to meet, you know, the love of their life within a certain amount of time. So they're doing all these dating, this dating, and it's like all these horrible dates, <laughs> you know, that they're going through. And I guess there, eventually they find there. who it is. <laughs> but um, bad dates, Jesus. <laughs> it's, um, I'm really proud of them. I'm really See, proud, you, you know. Bad ones too, right? <laughs> We've all had bad dates, that's for sure. Um. Oh, of course, uh, Des, you don't want to forget plugging the Baltimore Next Media Web Festival that I know yes. you're. Yes. That is coming of. up. It is the first week in November. Yes. And uh, it, and you're supposed to get in there and start judging some of these, Al. Oh, you call me out on the air about judging. Yes, I am. <laughs> I can't be the one doing all the judging by myself, but there <laughs> is some high quality. Absolutely. Kick butt stuff in there. Speaking of high quality, yours truly will be moderating a panel for Turf Valley uh, and comedy, which is um, Turf Valley is one of the highlighted um, comedy um, web, series. web series that's nominated for the B&M Web Festival. So produced in Baltimore, correct? That's right. Uh, specifically, the Turf Valley area of Maryland, Ellicott City um, in Baltimore County. So, um, yeah, just uh, check out bnmwebfest.com. All the um, information is there. The Hotel Indigo in Baltimore is where it's going to be taking place. Uh, we have some keynote speakers that are going to be um, a part of the program from Thursday, November 3rd through Sunday, November 6th. In particular, yours truly will be there on Saturday, November 5th. I'll um, be there. Yes. Um, as we talk to the creators again of Turf Valley, also the series Girl Dad and the series Booked. And we're going to talk about how to create, write, and act in a comedy series. Um, and after that panel, the importance of diversity in your digital content. And uh, our buddy Trey Cheney from HBO's The Wire, We Own This City, is going to be in the house. And some of his co stars from uh, Saints and Sinners, like Patrice Fisher. Um, just to name a few, uh, Don Halfkenny, Reese Odom. So he's bringing all the crew from Saints and Sinners. Um, and then um, after party uh, e in the evening, 
on Saturday. And then on Sunday, um, the brunch, which is going to have um, a really cool uh, social media panel, TikTok and social media panel discussion with cellist Andrew Savoy, dancer Damian Hunt, comedian dancer Cornell Nichols. So, um, yes, a packed schedule. Um, They're also doing that pitch thing where they have an opportunity to pitch. Uh, um, it went really well last year where oh, yeah, you actually right. have a certain amount of time and you pitch your project. What was great about this is they got feedback about it. A lot of other places when you pitch, they don't give you feedback. And actually the feedback is what you really need so that you can perfect that pitch when you go and take it to the money people. Wow. Important. And it looks like we lost uh, Dean Rogers, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess he, maybe he didn't have anything in the pro. Well, of course, the Rogers Review. Check that out, the RogersReview.com uh, for our, our buddy Dean uh, on the scene, Rogers. Um, that's all for plugs. Of course, we always close out the show with our rest in pieces. We already mentioned Robbie Coltrane earlier in the program, passed away at the age of 72. Wonderful actor, Harry Potter. He was actually at the Harry Potter 20th anniversary return, the Hogwarts reunion. That was amazing. I was in heaven watching that. (laughs) Yeah. On HBO max. And, uh, Daniel Radcliffe said that Robbie was one of the funniest people I've met. He used to keep us laughing constantly as kids on set, especially, uh, fond <laughs> memories of him keeping our spirits up in Prisoner of Azkaban uh, when we were hiding from the torrential rain for hours in Hagrid's hut. And he was telling stories and cracking jokes to keep the morale up. I feel lucky I got to meet him and work with him and very sad that he's passed. He's an incredible actor and a lovely man. And Hermione Emma Watson said Robbie was like the most fun uncle I've ever had, but most of all was deeply caring and compassionate towards me as a child and an adult. His talent was so immense that it made sense. He played a giant. He could fill any space with his brilliance. Wow. Oh, what a nice, nice thing to say. Very nice. Very nice yeah. thing to say. We also lost um, award-winning filmmaker, visionary Jeff Barnaby. Um, uh, also musician Mike Shank, best known for his good guy role in the award-winning documentary film American Movie, age of 53. Um, and that's um, those um, those who are no longer with us. And, of course, there, there are those that are celebrating another year around the sun. Legendary actor John Lithgow, 77. Happy birthday, John. Great actor. Happy birthday, John Favreau, the man who saved... Star Wars on Disney Plus with the Mandalorian, uh, one of my favorite actors. Happy <laughs> Hogan for Marvel. Of course, 1996 Swingers movie was groundbreaking and so, so great. Um, Trey Parker from South Park is 53. Chris Catan from SNL, comedian, uh, actor, is, and of course, Nath Roxbury is 52. Uh, Jason Reitman, Ivan's uh, son and the director of Ghostbusters Afterlife is 5. Jillian Jacobs from Community is 40. The lovely Rebecca Ferguson from Dune, Greatest Showman is 39. And Ciara Renee from DC's Legends of Tomorrow is 32. That's birthdays today. So uh, that concludes uh, tonight's uh, BTB. We'd like to thank, of course, our panel, our amazing panel. Starting with Dean on the scene, Rogers. We got your plug in, Dean. I'm guessing you had some technical issues uh, towards the end of the program, but thank you so much for joining the panel. 
Thank you so much, Desiree Velez, the freaking Rican Boricua in the house. <laughs> Thank you so much, my buddy Art Hall, podcaster, yeah. actor, writer, producer, director, editor, everythinger. Everything. I don't think I missed. Did I miss anything? I think I got it. I, hope nah, I, got. I probably got a couple more, but it's all good. Okay. I'm. <laughs> Good to have you. He's the whole kit and caboodle. He is. He is. Pleasure to be back, albeit briefly for the for the back end. Yes. Yes. Love it. And of course, Kelly Jenrette, the amazing Kelly, who was with us earlier as our special guest to talk about All American Homecoming, and of course, you could could see her on This Is Us, the penultimate episode, the tearjerker episode. And um, yes, I'm Al Celebrity Soto, aka. yeah, aka Celebrity Soto. Yeah, <laughs> aka some other unmentionable names that I've retired. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And closing out tonight's show because you heard that opening promo from Nikasa, who played the shape, uh, Michael Myers in Halloween, is another actor <laughs> as um, both Michael Myers and Jason in Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. Legendary stuntman actor Tom Morga. Uh, to close out tonight's show, pre-recorded from Monster Mania in Hunt Valley, Maryland. We're going to be hearing some great Monster Mania interviews in the upcoming weeks. Uh, next week's episode of BTV is our Halloween episode. And Dan Roebuck from The Munsters, who plays The Count in The Munsters, the Rob Zombie Munsters, uh, which was really fun. I really enjoyed that uh, um, Munsters movie that you can actually see on Netflix um that's gonna be next week but closing out with tom morga all right so we will see you guys next week until then peace (laughs) all right guys we are here at monster mania our favorite convention in hunt valley with actor stuntman extraordinaire tom morga tom how has your monster mania been uh, experience been so far oh we had a great weekend a lot of people came out everybody showed up so it's been real fun. Awesome, awesome. Now, what of all your projects? I mean, you have a resume that is probably 100 pages long. <laughs> I've had a few, yes. yes. Um, what do most of the fans like to talk about uh, or discuss when they meet you? Well, in this instance, of course, it's all the horror movies. I did uh, Friday the 13th, Part 5 is Jason. I did... Uh, Michael Myers in Halloween 4, and uh, I had other few parts in other horror movies, so that's mainly the thing we talk about at these conventions, sure. Right, absolutely. Now, um, you did a lot of stunt work. Um, Are you still doing stunts today, or have you shifted more as far as, uh, more so acting? No, I've kind of retired a little bit. I haven't been working for the last couple of years, but I'm not through. I'm sure I'll have some more jobs to come up. But uh, currently, okay, I don't have any good. projects. Right, okay. Well, I mean, obviously, doing stunts is, is they're really the unsung hero sometimes in award shows. What are your thoughts on um, uh, having more recognition for stunt people in the major award shows? Well, in my, my personal opinion is that we don't really need a lot of, of recognition. Our job as a stuntman is to make the actor look good. And that's the purpose of us, not to take credit for something. So if it looks good and the actor looks like he did the action, that's what our that's what our goal really is. And another problem with stunt people is that if you start competition for an award show, that could get a little bit 
dicey because one guy's trying to really outdo another one because he wants to be on an award show rather than taking care of that movie and that actor. So I'm not in great favor of that personally, but I know it's it's a, it's an interest that's in the community and lots of people would like to see more awards given to stuff. I know, I got him. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, a lot of these classic films that you've been a part of have been rebooted. I'm wondering um, if we could possibly see a cameo, cameo with yourself or really any of the original cast, but um, your thoughts on a lot of the classics getting rebooted for today? Well, I think it's a good idea. Uh, you know, things that people haven't seen, uh, another generation, they can, they can get in, you know, reboots, like you say, for them. So it's not a bad idea. Okay. Okay. Which of your uh, classic works would you most love to return to? Uh, which would you love to revisit again? But I did. Uh, I did a lot of Star Treks. In fact, I have a lot of characters here that, yes. that uh, I have been through the years as, as a stuntman. And uh, I did. Wow. Uh, the uh, my poster shows me as Spock. And that's where I first started with Star Trek and Star Trek the Motion Picture. Yes. And then I did Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and um, Voyager. I did most of those series, and so I, I put in almost 20 years just going back to Star Trek and doing a lot of characters. And it's a unique show where you dress up and they make you up like an alien so they can use you every week. Well, a lot of the new Star Trek is on you know, CBS, you know, on uh, Discovery. Um, have you thought about returning to the franchise, and would you? Well, you know, it's, it's mainly a little younger man's game. So uh, I was really in touch and connected during the years I worked in the 80s and 90s. But I've been a little disassociated now, and there's lots of other people that are doing that job. All right. Wow. And uh, if you could put one more item on your bucket list as far as the film industry is concerned, what would you like to add to your resume at this point in your career? Oh, gosh. I don't have anything really particular. Uh, there's things I would like to have been in in the past that I didn't get to, but uh, I've done so much. I think I'm pretty satisfied with everything. Great. Which includes coming to awesome, awesome conventions like Monster Mania and meeting the fans, right? Yeah, I sort of my career has been enough that uh, I have a little bit of fan base and people like to talk to me, so yeah. it's kind of fun. Awesome. Well, Tom, if you could, let us know who you are, throw out some of your major works, and let us know you're on Below the Belt show. Well, I'm Tom Morgan, and I did Friday the 13th Part 5 as Jason, and Halloween 4 I was Michael Myers. I've done lots of other shows, and uh, like we discussed the Star Trek, but... Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. This is Below the Belt. Awesome. That was great. Thank you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.